Welcome to Game Face episode 128 at Casa de Kyle in Los Angeles, California. Flagship show of Sifted Games at sifted.net. Thanks for jumping on the stream. See a bunch of you in the chat. I actually am a little more connected to chat today, which is great. Uh, we got all the kinks ironed out. We have all our cameras. Everything is ready to rock. I think the second week here at Matt's house will go a lot better than the first. Although the first came out pretty well. It's fine. We were afraid there was going to be an echo on the audio. I thought the audio sounded good. Uh, so work out some kinks here today. I think we're going to be good to go going forward. You don't hear the uh, kegerator anymore. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the wine is gone. There were some people complaining about this subsonic sound that was mm. in, uh, in the show for a few episodes. I thought we figured it out actually before we left the studio. It should definitely be gone now. Uh, but anyway, um, for those of you who are watching the stream right now, you can probably resubscribe via Twitch Prime. Uh, also, for those of you who are going to watch this on YouTube and maybe you can't afford to contribute to Sifted, it's a great way to give us a free $2.50 every month. Uh, we would appreciate it a ton. Um, and if you're watching the archive as well, a lot of you guys are probably ready to resubscribe. Have no idea why Twitch won't just let everybody roll over at the beginning of the month. I got asked to do a survey on Twitch this week. And basically, that's all I requested was, <laughs> why can't you just make it the first of the month and have people automatically resubscribe? And if they mm -hmm. want to change their subscription to another channel, make them manually do that. I couldn't understand it. But anyway, they, uh, to me. they asked for my feedback, and I gave it. <laughs> and they got it. Uh, we have a great show for you guys today. Tons of stuff has happened this week. Um, and then today, like a bunch of stuff dropped as well. Uh, it's kind of cool. We're going to be the first to kind of talk about some of this stuff. In fact, something happened after I did all the pre-production for the show that we're going to just talk about right here off the top without any graphics, and that is that Cliff Blazinski's studio, Boss Key, has shut down. Mm -hmm. That was a shocker to me because Boss Key just launched a game two weeks, three weeks ago called yeah, Radical like Heights. Less about a month, yeah. Yeah, less. about a month, I think a month max, um, which was a battle royale shooter. Um, tried to jump into that pool, and it's only been up for like three weeks, and it's gone. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I guess the, the servers are going to stay up for a while, he said. Two weeks, he said. So. Two weeks. Imagine if you were at Boss Key and you bought, I mean. I, I wouldn't buy any of the microtransactions. No, I definitely <laughs> would not. But imagine if you worked at Boss Key and you worked on Radical Heights, because you know that was a crunch, Matt. You mm -hmm. know they crunched hard to get that oh, yeah. game out. And Just we, to get something moderately playable. And we, you know, we made the argument that it probably shouldn't have been put out in the state that it was put out in. Um, I know. I think what the last stats for last week, they're like down to like a thousand people playing yep. last week. Which is still better than Lawbreakers was doing, but uh, yeah, I don't know what it is that like he just can't attract interest and hold it with these two games. I don't know. His, the cachet for Cliff, Cliffy B, which he's not called anymore, or Cliff Blazinski, it's kind of shocking to me that there wasn't more there. Like Lawbreakers seemed like in beta had pretty good numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those fell off real quick, and then the game I feel was like released. People were and... expecting Lawbreakers to be free, and then when it turned out to be forty bucks, a lot of people backed away from it. I, I still stand by my opinion that I, Lawbreakers is a good game. Yeah. Um, I think it deserved far better than it got. I think a lot of people that didn't play it agree with that. They just didn't want to pay forty bucks for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And it was just on the you know it was on the heels of Overwatch, and then it was like right on the the beginning brink of PUBG's rise to 
dominance and I would say it's hard to ask forty dollars for a multiplayer only game, but there's Overwatch out yeah. there. Overwatch just has a lot more to it though in terms of yeah. just appeal and design and I mean look at the characters in Overwatch compared to the characters oh, in Lawbreakers. I mean and we've a, said that for all along. Yeah. The characters in Lawbreakers was its downfall. Yeah. And then on top of that you had Fortnite horning in and which is even weirder because Cliff was working on Fortnite when a he long left time. Epic right. to yeah. form Boss Key. I mean, so. there was a time where we thought Fortnite might be vaporware. Yeah. Because it was in, in the oven for so long. They were on that for like five or six years. Yeah, I mean, I thought at some point, I'm like, they're going to announce that it's canceled. Mm. And now it's the biggest game in the world. Yeah. Funny in a how totally different form than it was originally going to be. It, yeah. Uh, Cliff. Uh, That's called agility. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Uh, Cliff on Twitter and on Facebook posted today that he is going to step away from game development mm -hmm. for a while and try to kind of, I don't know, press the reset button. He mentioned lick, spending some time with family and stuff like that. And lick his wounds. I yeah. guess his dog's getting a little old. I wonder what he'll like. do. I mean, he's probably not going to start another studio. I wouldn't want to after all this. Uh, I'd probably want to work on, you know, work with a good team, work with some good people. Maybe Epic can snap him up, or at least some of the the, the workers there. Well, they uh, already were, remember? Yeah. Well, they're working on that. Yeah, they were, that was happening. They were but, taking uh, his employees, and just what was it? Two weeks ago? Yeah. He went on Twitter and ad admonished Epic for poaching his employees. <laughs> and we talked about that too on the show, and how and, uh, two weeks later, yeah, closes the company. Yeah, and a couple of it looks like at least one of the people at Boss Key learned of it from Twitter. Yeah, it looks like he did not message it very well to. Yeah, you feels like feels there. like you have an all hands meeting before you have an all hands tweeting. Yeah, so. you absolutely should have told his employees before he posted that publicly. Um, it's kind of crazy though. I mean, I never would have guessed that when he announced his new studio that four years later it would be closing. You just figure, I, I mean, he I was a he would star get, yeah. in games for a while. Yeah, but I also figure, he, I've, I mean, it doesn't shock me that, like, it didn't go the full distance, but it does surprise me that it didn't, it only got one, like, 1.1 games. Yeah. I thought, like, Radical Heights, and yeah, he phrases it as, like, Radical Heights was, like, the last ditch maneuver. Like a Hail Mary. But I yeah. felt like Radical Heights would at least kind of see, a, like, a, a more, less full-fledged data. data. maybe. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that. Uh, I st also still think that's not a good name. Uh, Radical Heights, like Heights, is a weak word. Heights is a, huh, it's just a breathy word. Like it needs a, it needs a. You need more consonants in that. Because so, I kept remember when we talked about it. I kept forgetting the name, which is not good. Yeah. Like it's not. Should have called it like Radical Bastards or something. <laughs> like, something with a something with a punch to the second word. That's, it's that was, just crazy too. None of it stuck in my head. Announce and launch a game, and then a month later, your studio goes under. Yeah. You think about all the people that crunched on Radical Heights you to get it out. You can't even make that Rohan joke anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it sucks. It's, uh, I don't know where Cliff will end up. I mean, you, think, you would think some studio will snatch him up eventually. I would think, you know, I mean, even if he, if he doesn't form his own company, I would think most studios that could afford him would be happy to have him as a consultant or as a project lead or something like that. And you know, it's 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 yeah. I know it's kind of like it feels. Sometimes it seems like to the luminaries in the industry that like your destiny is inevitably to form your own company and your yeah. own studio and stuff. But it's like I wouldn't want that kind of pressure. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, starting your own company is really hard. It's really hard. Not just the financial end of it, making mm -hmm. sure it's a success, but the emotional part of it. Oh yeah. Um, that's why I don't think he'll do it again. No, and I mean, he was, I mean, I know that from talking to him at E3 last year, 
the the biggest thing that weighed on his on his mind was the fact that 65 families were depending on his yeah. company to eat every yep. day and uh that was that was a really hard thing for him to kind of uh uh, internalize, I think, uh, just because that's a lot of responsibility to have on your shoulders, and you know, a lot, a lot of people that run companies just solve that problem by not thinking about it. But that's right. not Cliff's way, um, which is funny to see. Like I've seen a lot of people kind of be like, "Well, you know, he doesn't think about his team, and he never mentions his team, and he's just sort of like a freeloader that like takes credit for other people's work and stuff." Really? And I'm like, "That's not that's not the guy I know." Me either. Well, all. they don't know him. They don't we, know him. We I do know, yeah. know him. But I also don't really get that from his public public persona. It's like any more than any other person that gets you know credited as a as a name in the industry. Well, he was kind of cornered into the whole dude bro thing. Yeah. Where people were like, oh, he's a jock parading as he's, he's the farthest totally thing from a no. jock. <laughs> I mean, he pl- he plays he plays one on TV a little bit maybe, but he's yeah. not. He's, he's a total nerd. Like yeah. I mean, our longest conversations have been about Transformers. I mean, it's not no, he's, a he's a total nerd, just like us. And some um, of the dude bro thing probably comes from the fact that his handle back in the day was dude huge. Yeah. Um, well, he went through he that ca- that stage of his life where he was really into bodybuilding. Yeah. And one the one year he appeared on in an E3 press conference and he was like all yoked and mm-hmm. jacked up, and I think people were like, "Oh wait, like nerds don't work out." <laughs> I, I hate to say stuff like that, but it, it a does. lot of developers in pretty good shape. There are absolutely. I mean, you have a lot of downtime. Sometimes you have a gym on site. You can't go home for. 12 hours at a time, you might as well go lift things and put them down again, right? Right, but I feel like there's a certain segment of the gaming community that almost looks down on people who mm. are concerned about fitness and things like that and sports and, and not that he really was, he just got in shape and it, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think one thing I would say is I'm a little surprised that instead of him just, instead of completely dissolving the studio, he didn't pivot the studio mm-hmm. because it's a small studio. It was a small studio. And he, and so I, I see some parallels between Bosky and Sifted a little bit. Like when I launched mm-hmm. Sifted, I wanted it to ultimately become this huge commercial gaming website. That was the dream to build it up and turn it into this company that was mm-hmm. as big as game trailers or whatever. And as time goes on, you start to figure out, hey, that's probably not happening. And you have to pivot. And we have pivoted like three times. Practically pirouetting at this point. Yeah, exactly. I've I've pivoted so many times, (laughs) I've done a complete circle. So um, I'm a little surprised that he didn't say, okay, well, doing the the AAA indie thing, which is really Mm. what he was trying to do, didn't work out. So let's start making smaller games. Let's start making some really cool indie games. taking on, like, contract work from other studios or something. Like, there's a lot of smaller companies do that. Like, you know, you'll have a team working on... uh, That's how Rocket League got made, if you watch that... uh, Daniel, Daniel Dwyer's documentary. It's about how they were taking on like you know little jobs that dealt with Unreal, the Unreal because they were so good with the Unreal Engine. They were taking little jobs for other companies to make. And in the meantime, they had this tiny little team making this this car game. Yeah. And that's how Rocket League came about. Yeah. So that's that's an option too. I think part of it is humbling yourself. I mean, yeah. you have these aspirations. He came from just massive success. I ran a video game website. He built products yeah. that well, were consumed by. Tens of millions of people. Well, it also felt like he burned some bridges, maybe inadvertently here and there. Like there was that comment about like in the run up to Lawbreakers, where he said something like, "If anyone who cares enough about performance to have a PC is never going to buy a console," and like right. that's not what Xboxes are for. Xboxes are for people who don't know mm-hmm. about that or whatever. And then like, I don't polarize. Xbox didn't seem to take that too kindly. And then there was a whole thing recently where like he said something on Twitter. Someone was like about, talked about Radical Heights on Xbox. He's like, we'd love to get it on Xbox. And one of the Microsoft guys responded with like, he's like, teenagers use our Xbox Greenlight program all the time. Check it out. And it's just like, bro, like 
You yeah. can't, that's like if like Zack Snyder, I mean, I'm not a fan of Zack Snyder with his extreme nonsense and stuff, but that man's made a bunch of major motion pictures. And like, if he's talking about like, oh, I'd like to get some funding for this thing, you can't be like, hey, try that Project Greenlight TV show. Down. It's like, he's a, he's, a for, he's a figure in the industry. Hey, that's have you a, heard of YouTuber Vimeo? Yeah, <laughs> check out Patreon for, for your $300,000 like indie right. film. It's like, no, this yeah. dude has made multi, you know, multi-million dollar pictures. Cliff has made multi-million dollar video games, like suggesting he go use the thing teenagers use to get their, you know, their RPG maker thing published is uh, pretty insulting. I think that was maybe a little bit of a fire back from mm -hmm. the stuff that Cliff had said prior, but uh, maybe that's what Cliff does ultimately though. Maybe once he steps away for a little bit, he realizes that he did build a brand at Boss Key. We're talking about Boss Key right now. Um, he started, he created something where there was nothing. And that is an accomplishment all on its own. And I do maybe, wonder how much of that is like, you know, are we talking about this in part because like we're, we know him and we like him? I wonder how much of this, I mean, I'm sure it'll be discussed on podcasts yeah. this week, but um, I wonder how much of that will be like, how much of it will be like, oh, let's see what happened and how much of it will just be grave dancing? Yeah, there'll be some. I saw some comments on his Facebook posts that were pretty mean. Mm -hmm. um, and then other people who were just completely uninformed, one guy was like, well, I, I knew Lawbreakers was going to fail from the start because it couldn't hang with the other Battle Royale games. It's like, bro, it wasn't, it wasn't even a Battle, even a Battle Royale, Royale game. That wasn't a thing before. Yeah. <laughs> You're always going to have people like that, the ambulance right. chasers who maybe ha didn't like Cliff all along, and now this is their chance to dig into him. So, you know, it is what it is. That's the internet, unfortunately. But uh, I wish Cliff the best of luck. I know personally, I know him personally, he's a great guy. Regardless of what everyone thinks about him or whatever his public persona mm -hmm. is, if you think he's like a meathead or a jerk, he's not. No. He's a good guy. I um, just hope he can work with his, you know, his employees and figure out a way to get them all, or at least help them find places to land. Yeah, I mean, they were funded by Nexon, I believe. Yeah, Nexon, well, Nexon published Lawbreakers. They weren't yeah. involved in Radical Heights. But they, Nexon had given Boss Key a big chunk of change. Mm -hmm. I know that for sure. Um, and so hopefully there's still some of that money left over so he can give some of his people severance. Right. And if anybody was again, getting headhunted by Epic, yeah, <laughs> I want to just, I'll just take that. Yeah. So anyway, breaking news on Game Face. This stuff happened right after we finished prepping for the show. We want to talk a, about a mere it. eight hours later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, most of the people will be seeing this tomorrow when it's anything but yeah. breaking news. It's been on sifted. Well, I didn't a while. see it till I got, I was out today and yeah. Got home and then got right right as I got home, there was a text from me. It's like boss key closed. I was like, what? Yeah, absolutely. So That's let's what get I on get with for the show ignoring proper. Twitter all day. Yep. Let's get on with the show proper. We're going to talk first about the biggest story of the week by a hundred miles. Uh, Walmart Canada hmm. leaked a ton of games uh, on its website. Um, Blame Canada. Yeah. Here they are. Here are all the games. A lot of those are duplicates, by the way, for mm -hmm. each different, different platform. And a lot of this was like, the funny thing was like a lot of this was like, could have been easily dismissible as like just guesses or yeah. like, you know, you know, logical extrapolations for placeholder stuff. But then there was Rage 2, yeah. which yeah. no one in the world would have guessed as a thing that was going to I happen. I don't care how informed the webmaster is at Walmart <laughs> Canada. There's no way yeah. that he would have ever put Rage 2 on that yeah, page. Yeah, because there's stuff in here that, like, Forza Horizon 5. Okay, Forza Horizon 4 doesn't exist right. yet. So, yeah. 
um, or uh, what was it? Uh, I don't believe for one second Beyond Good and Evil 2 is coming out this year. Like, there's no yeah. way. Or like Final Fantasy VII Remake is listed, and I'm like, if that's this fiscal year, I know. I, I mean, all this that. means that was... And it had an games... Xbox One thing on it. It, yeah. was, it, was like, it was like a lot of stuff that was like a little sketchy. Yeah. But then Rage 2. But then Bethesda was like, screw it. Yeah. Well, then the Rage, the official Rage Twitter account was like, it like pointed out a bunch of things that were wrong with it. Yeah. And, and then had some fun with it. And then Bethesda's official Twitter account just replied to that with, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then Pete Hines started replying with like super salty tweets about like, like where people were like, when's Doom 2 coming? He's like, I don't know, go buy a Magic 8-Ball at Walmart and see what they know. Yeah, just like, yeah. like, just they, they were pretty funny, actually. And then the final culmination is what you're seeing right now, mm-hmm. which the Bethesda released the debut teaser for Rage 2 today. Because uh, why the hell not? Yeah, I mean, I admire what Bethesda did. Like, that it just kind of went along with it and was like, hey, there's nothing we can do about it at this point. Let's make the best of it. Do you think that this was scheduled to be published today? No, by Beth- yeah, I me either. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> but you got to get ahead of it. Yeah. Um, it's a shame because I'm guessing this was one of Bethesda's huge reveals yeah. for E3. Well, they, I think, didn't they say that like this might be their longest uh, presentation so ever, yeah. ever so far? Yeah. So who knows what they got up there. I mean, they must have more than this up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this sure is obviously a big surprise. Yeah, I mean, I would have never guessed they would make a sequel to Rage. No, I mean, the only thing I would be more surprised by a sequel to would probably be Wet, too. Yeah, That's yeah. That's about <laughs> the only thing else, the other property they have they could pull out of their sleeve and be like, hey, yeah. who wants some more douche And I realize I'm, I'm a bit in the minority, but I actually like the original Rage a lot. I replayed some of it this week just to kind of refresh myself first off ooh, those are some ugly textures they're mega textures uh, yeah Matt. um no yeah. <laughs> mega one mega texture maybe yeah well that's what um, it was though it was like one texture right. that covered like the entire environment yeah it just it's so it's it was like cutting it's ahead of its time for the time but yeah. now like there's so many things that didn't go that way and for a good reason and it's that like was all carmax crazy the idea. biggest the biggest thing i that i remember when i was playing it this week that like when you park in john goodman's garage there is a wall in front of you and on that wall is like a pipe with a little like kind of regulator like regulator like meter kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's just a flat text it's just a picture on the wall there's no tessellation there's no yep. attempt at making it into a model or popping it out at all it's, it's just a blank it's just, just like plastered. it's like a, i'm like why is that even there why not just have that be a blank wall and not do this have this fake pipe on it that looks yeah. just like someone has a poster of a pipe on the wall and it's just it's just all it's like Lazy, some of it looks yeah. amazing and i got you know i did a little, little mod thing to get to work at 4k and get the high-res texture like and some of it looks really good the animations look great the animation the like, gunplay in that game mm-hmm. is great Fighting the, fighting the enemies is amazing, yep. and every other thing it makes you do is terrible. That's like, why I, I liked it so much. Obviously, I've, you know, I've said a million times, I gameplay first for me always. Mm-hmm. And the actual combat and the mono-a-mono moments mm-hmm. in that game, I thought were just absolutely All the flipping incredible. around and jumping from the, to the ceiling and down, like, oh, Completely I can't get a beat on Completely unpredictable what the enemies yeah, were going to do. It's really great, but there's just not enough. It's, that's like 15% of the game. The yeah. rest of it is like mindless transit and the stupid races and like constant load screens and yeah the multiplayer the buggy battles it was like mario kart like m-rated mario um, kart or whatever i, I actually I had a good bit of fun it. of that for with that for a while but after a couple weeks i yeah. was like the only other thing i remember about Ray because i didn't finish it i got to a point where like i progressed enough in the main story that all my side quests failed oh, i was like oh well screw you then so i just <laughs> i just turned it off um, but like the other thing I remember, of course, is that it doesn't end; it just stops. Yeah, that's the worst ending and, yeah. probably in the past like decade. 
Um, which is too bad because like, the funny thing is like you, at the beginning you have the, be the opening is like the, the, the cinema of like the, the, the asteroid like passing through the solar system and everybody going into the underground vault and the thing and it's like it's actually pretty good it's pretty yeah. effective it's like it's, it's kind of a nice little end of the world moment uh, you know and you know it's kind of it, it's weird because it has these in, in, inevitable parallels to fallout because yeah. of the, the you get it come yeah. out of the vault and the, you know, everything's terrible John Goodman's going to help you kind of thing and um, and now, like you look at the, the this new teaser they put out, and it's like, well, now you're just, I mean, you're inevitably going to be compared to Fury Road. Now it's Mad like, Max. Mad Max it Fury looks like, Road. I is, mean, it had a flavor of that before, but oh, now sure. it's just I mean, just inevitably, you have that comp comparison to the Road Warrior, one way or the other. But this now, I mean, in the wake of Mad Max Fury Road, especially when you've decided to go all in on the vehicles, like Rage did. Yeah. Like they got to. I mean, they're basically going to be the Mad Max Fury Road video game here. Which would they be got, awesome. They got to deliver. Way, <laughs> which I would be totally down with. Uh, one thing I would say is because of what we experienced with the first Rage, I have hopes that this game will be something different. Yeah. That it will not just be another open world first person shooter. Like out the, yeah, in there's the absolutely a great game in Rage if you reinvent it and re rework a lot of it yeah. properly. Uh, and hopefully they've done that. I mean, I wonder who, we you know who's making, is it id making it? Do we know? It's not we id. No? No. I mean, that's what has a lot of people up in arms. They're like, wait a minute, why isn't id working on this? I think they're like consulting on it or mm. something. But I'm guessing id's making the next Doom. Yeah. Um, which we probably won't see until till next year, I'm guessing. I mean, I would rather have them making Doom because yeah. Doom was so good. Yeah, agreed. So. But what could they do with Rage now? True. Um, well, but I guess we'll never find out. But, uh, Let's, let's go through some of these other games that were announced. Let's try to figure out whether we think still, after all this Rage stuff, if they're, if they're legit or not. Mm -hmm. New Splinter Cell. I feel like that's probably real. Yeah, um, I mean, we've had a game page for Splinter Cell on Sifted for like a year and a half at right. this point. But I, I just Because there's been rumors flying for a while. And, and I think that, you know, the, the Ghost Recon DLC where uh, uh, Michael Ironside returned as Sam Fisher, it's just, I mean, you you're clearly have. And then you had the interview with him where he implies that the reason he didn't voice Sam last time was because he was undergoing cancer treatments. Interesting. Um, he had, so he could come he, back. He had some prostate and, and, can and colon cancer treatments apparently at the time, and now he's, now he's fine, and he's okay, and he's back, and he's ready to do some stuff. And, wow. Um, so like, if that was why he had to sit out the last one, like that's that because they were always a little, a little vague about why they replaced him. No, you're right. And, and probably disrespecting his privacy. Yeah, and but he said that in an interview with, uh, I don't remember who it was, was that a Game Informer, maybe IGN, I can't remember. But he straight up said like that was going on back then. So, and he kind of seems to imply that that's why, but like then I know Ubisoft people that say that that's not why, but like at any rate, he's back and he's healthy and he's, he's, he seems to really enjoy doing Sam's voice. So, and he, he, in the interview, he also talks about cr helping create Sam and like, he seems to value the character, so you know it seems like it'd be you know you pro it would be silly to bring Michael Ironside, someone as pro high profile as Michael Ironside, back to do a five minute recording session of, of a Ghost Recon free DLC. So like, Just, I'm thinking there's more to it. There. Yeah, you're yeah. probably right. Uh, what do you think the percentage uh, chance is that Splinter Cell is legit? I'm going like 90 percent. Nah, there, on yeah, that. I, I agree it, with you. I I will be shocked if we don't see a new Splinter Cell at the Ubisoft conference this or Sony or something. You know, I think that's. As close to a given as you get to an un as an, for an unannounced game. I agree with you on that one. Next, Just Cause 4. I didn't expect that one necessarily, but it wouldn't surprise me. This was another game on the list, though, that made me think the list had legitimacy. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Like, no who's thinking about Just Cause, Cause out yeah. of their butt? <laughs> right. 
Um, and like all the Just Cause 3 is down about nine bucks on, uh, in the sales now, which is about the right time. Which, by the way, it, if you can find it for that price, you should absolutely buy it. Yeah, I found I didn't find it as compelling as 2. Uh, but I will say that once you put the DLC in place, uh, with the mechs and all that stuff, like there, it gets crazy in the Sky City and stuff. Like there's some crazy stuff in this. If you can get it with the DLC, like there's a ton in this game to do and see. And I think this game is completely underrated. And I think the problem that people don't give it more of a chance than it deserves is because it's maybe the way it's marketed, it's just a little bit too goofy. But mm -hmm. the things you can do in this game, you can't do in any other game. I think the problem it has, and it, it, it's not as bad as it was in 2, so in that sense, 3 is an improvement. It's just, like, once you've played for about 3 hours, you've seen everything it's got. Yeah. Like, the, the missions don't change. Uh, you're, you know, you're just going in to blow stuff up or grab this thing and drag it out here or kill as many guys or whatever. There's no variety to what you're doing. Um, you mean as far as the mission, the mission, objectives and, that they mission give objectives, you. the story stuff, the side quests, the things yeah. you have to do on the map. I mean, you can you can mess around with the physics and vehicles and stuff all day and, and never see the same thing twice. But in terms of actually playing the game, um, it's it's a little it limited. You can tell it it's, doesn't have the budget of a lot yeah, of other open it's, world it's games. Like, it's kind of the same problem that like Agents of Mayhem had, or like the Saints Row games have, where it's like, here's here's the ten things that you're gonna do do them all 12 times each, you know? And it's like, well, that gets a little old after all. Because the other thing about Just Cause is the map is gigantic. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's huge. And like, it takes you, it can take you days to clear out one island and there's like 20 of them, you know? Um, but I think overall, uh, I feel like I got my money's worth out of it and the DLC uh, expands things and gives you some really cool toys to play with in terms of the mech stuff and the, and the tanks and, and jets and... And the uh, I th there's a jet pack you can get in, in, the, in one of the DLCs. And, like, it's, it's um, for the amount of money they're charging right now, it's probably worth trying. I, uh, I just think this, this team needs money. I just think they need a budget. Mm -hmm. They need to get a good writer in there. They need to get someone in there who can handle the cinematics. Um, because, to me, the, the base of the game, the combat, the gunplay, the, I mean, just watch this video that we're showing right now. Mm -hmm. Like... Compare that to like Grand Theft Auto, what you can do in a GTA game. Like the core of this game to me is one of the best in all the open world games. Mm -hmm. It's all the stuff around the edges that's the problem. Um, I feel like they have a good solid foundation. I'm excited to see what the next one is and what mm -hmm. it does. But, I'm curious where it'll be. But because I doubt that they're going to get much of a bigger budget, it's probably going to end up with the same restraints. It's going to mm -hmm. have a really crappy story. It's going to have repetitive mission objectives. The visuals are going to be good but not great. Um, I feel like if a, a bigger publisher bought that studio, it would be a very, very wise purchase. Well, who, who published? Is that Square? Square Enix, yeah. yeah. If they gave them half the budget, they give the Tomb Raiders. Exactly. Imagine what they would do with that. So um, I'm surprised they didn't... The one thing I would be surprised by is like if I had the Just Cause guys there... I, if I, and I got the Marvel license, I'd have them making an Iron Man game. The that's next a day. great. That's a match made in heaven. Yeah. That team doing superhero games, perfect. I mean, that's really what it is already. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they already kind of have an awesome Spider-Man engine there working, but obviously, Somniac's working on that. I wonder if they could work out a deal where they create an Xbox exclusive Spider-Man game. Mm, Sony's probably got that sewed up. Yeah, because they kind of own the rights to. But the you can do. The there's a lot of stuff you could do with with kind of like. I mean, he, he's only a couple frames off Iron Man, Rico, in those in the, the Just Cause games. Yeah.
Because the other thing about, like, the thing about Just Cause is one of the things it does really well is mass destruction. That's not really Spider-Man's deal. No, but, definitely uh, not. It would, they, they could probably make a really good, maybe they, did they actually, did they make a Hulk game? Did they make Ultimate Destruction? They might have. The one where he could run up or was walls? that the prototype? It was the prototype guys. Those guys who made prototype. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, these, I think these guys have a really good Iron Man or Hulk game in them. Yep. Or Thor, even. I mean, anyone that can knock a building over is probably, <laughs> like, their wheelhouse, I would say. Uh, I'd agree. Uh, I'm excited to check out the new one. Hopefully they get a bigger budget. The game did okay sales-wise, yeah. so maybe they have a little bit more cash to work with this time, and they can uh, bump it up a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, let's talk next. Uh, Borderlands 3, that's a given. Yeah, I think it's about, it's beyond time yeah. for that to show up, and I feel like Gearbox needs a hit. Well, I think so. Gearbox has pretty much already said that, yeah. Yeah, it's coming. The next game that we're working on is Borderlands. They'd be crazy not to, especially in this era of loot box I mean, time. think about mm. how well it sold before. Right. The microtransactions you could cram into this kind of a game, like, boggle the mind. Absolutely. Um, to the point that, like, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm worried a little bit. <laughs> well, but... you also got to keep in mind who's making it. Right. He, uh, Mr. Pitchford isn't exactly known as uh, being one of the less, lesser dubious developers <laughs> in the yeah. industry. He has a little bit of uh, baggage that comes along with him at this and point. He does. Um, uh, pr a pr pr proficient, pr oh, was it? A propensity for sleight of hand. Yes, there. might be. A, that's a good way to put um, it. But he has always done right by Borderlands, so... Yeah. I mean, I certainly don't expect another alien, alien colonial <laughs> marine situation <laughs> out of this. A, well, definitely not going to make another Aliens game, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I think... By some reports, they didn't make the, the last one. Right, right, <laughs> so. yeah. Uh, but I think, or at least I would hope that at this point, he has learned his lesson. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, but you're right. It is right for that nefarious... I mean, Borderlands has always been... Uh, they've always done well with it, and they've always uh, delivered on the DLC without making it feel cheap. No, you're right. Um, they've always done something special with the DLC, and uh, they, I mean, the only real thing uh, of any kind of questionable nature in Borderlands 2 was the, the gold key stuff, where basically you had to follow them on Twitter yeah. to get the codes yeah. to do that. But it was, that was easy enough. You know, I, I got tons of gold keys, and I never even really tried to pay too much attention to it. It's just like, you know, oh, Brandy tweeted a key code. I'll put it in, and I, I got another thing. Cool. But, like, it would be real easy to make those gold keys se sellable for real cash in a Borderlands 3 in the current market. So we'll yeah. see what they get, where they go with it. Uh, look, one thing I'll say is I've never been a big fan of Borderlands, but every single person I know has been. Mm -hmm. My only issue with it's Borderlands... It's one of those games where you go to work and you come in and everyone's like all bleary-eyed. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, what were you doing last night? They're like, we were all playing Borderlands. And I'm like, really? And they're like, oh yeah, everybody, all of us. There was like eight of us. We were all playing together. I'm like, man, I just could never get into it. My only issue it was with Borderlands... for me. My only issue with Borderlands was that it uh, it left image retention on my plasma. Yeah, well, that'll do yeah, it. <laughs> the, the quest information on the right side you can't really see it now because there's there's not nothing happening in this in the footage in terms of the quest but they list like a bunch of bright white text that tell like like, yeah. that, like that and that text left like a like a ghost shadow all like this little chunk on my screen for months i'm it guessing was that was a, your 720p plasma tv no it was 1080 it was a 1081 that's that the same one you have Oh mine, really? Mine, mine is a 3D plasma, which has, Mine's 3D. which has like a, it has a. Some of the panels have, basically, they have rapid aging phosphors, which allow the 3D effect to happen mm -hmm. in a plasma uh, screen. 
and sometimes that can lead to much more stubborn image retention. I've been not, lucky. I not no, burn it, but yeah. like it'll it'll image retain. And part of it is like you only see it if you're looking for it. Like I would or only if the see, screen's all black, all by all, all one color or all green. Like yeah. one of the one of the easiest ways to see on a plasma if you have any kind of like, like stubborn image retention is to it's to start up an Xbox. Oh yeah. Because the I guess you're right. The uh, the green screen will will reveal it. Or you can put in uh, Planet Earth. Blue, the Blu-ray for Planet Earth, and they show like the big, huge, like you know, shots of like just green, like green. Right. You'll see, you'll see the that's the because the my plasma actually was a uh, replacement because when I bought it, the it first had game, retention already. Well, no, because the first game I played on, you know, I broke it in and did the usual thing. But the first game I played on it was what I was playing when I when my old TV broke and I had to replace it, which was uh, Earth Defense Force Insect Armageddon which has a giant life bar outlined mm. in white on the left side. And after playing it for two nights, it was burned in. Like it was literally, like you couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. It was not going away. And it was still there when you turned it off. And that's how you know it's burning. If you turn right. this TV off and it's still there on the screen, it's been burning. And I had the Best Buy guys come in and look and they're like, that's not supposed to. And they, took, they immediately took it away and brought another one. And that one didn't have that same And that's problem. why they've stopped making plasma TVs. That's one of the reasons, yeah. Lots of returns from people. But also because they're, they're, you know, they're old tech. They're very heavy. They're very heavy. They're very, they're very hot. expensive. They run very hot. They're not energy efficient at all. Yeah. But man, um, do they look glorious! But the, like then you got the o, I mean, <laughs> but like the OLEDs weigh nothing yeah. and are the thickness of a hair. Right. So I mean, they, they look almost as good. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of image retention problems with Borderlands 2. Uh, it's my only complaint about that game. Did they ever make a 4K plasma TV? Uh, probably, but I don't. I know. actually have never heard I, of I one. Mean, or they might have made like something professional grade, but I, I they they made a consumer model. I don't know about it. Yeah, I've never heard of it either. I would love to have one, but I don't think that's gonna happen. Mm, Stuck with my 1080p for now. Uh, let's see what else. A new Assassin's Creed. Are you surprised to hear that that might? Because here's the thing. I wouldn't so, have expected that this year. Yeah, here's the thing. thing. I think this list is a list of games that will be able to be pre-ordered. Mm -hmm once E3 happens or is done or whatever. I don't think it necessarily means they're coming out this year. Yeah, although that's a long way out to start pre-ordering something if you're talking about an Assassin's Creed for next fall. So are you surprised by that? Yeah, I thought they, would, they wouldn't go back to a yearly schedule. Did, I thought Ubisoft learned its lesson. Well, on the other we hand, took you, two years. you could say that Look they, what they with found the new formula and now we're just going to plug stuff into that forever now. I think that's a huge mistake, though. Well, because it means that they're having different teams make them. Which and they've that, had for a while. Yeah, but that was part of their problem. Was you could, the, each team could never build on what the f previous team learned. Right. Like, if you've got, if this game, you know, if this is the Ancient Greece game and it's coming out a year after the Egypt game, you're going to have trouble applying any of the lessons learned in the Egypt game to the Greece game because you've only, you know, this, I mean, a game that size, you're probably putting the finishing touches on it right now. Yeah. You know, like it's too late to, yeah. to learn. And like that was, you, you had that problem, especially between. I would say Brotherhood and Revelations yeah. and 3 was you saw that like the Assassin's Creed 2 team went straight to Assassin's Creed 3 and then the Brotherhood team built on what 2 made and come up, came up with some really cool ideas. The Revelations team was a totally different team that ignored everything that came before that and didn't even and have the same design yeah. for, Alta, for, uh, for uh, Desmond. And then three came out, and three felt like it was an ex you know it was building on two, but it kind of ignored some of the innovations of Brotherhood. Yeah. And the the whole series just never quite felt like it was moving forward in the way it should. It felt like it was stuttering. It felt it felt like, oh, like one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. And um, it would be a shame to see them fall back into that, or worse, just sort of make the same game over and over again. I think it would be a huge mistake to put out an Assassin's Creed this year. 
Like, get, let it let it rest. Learn some stuff. Re, re, like, give it to one group and let them make one every two years if you have to. But, like, keep it in the family, I think. I mean, much like the Assassins themselves. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would, be sh- I would be shocked if it comes out this year. I would be disappointed if it came out this year. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't be shocked if it came out this year, but I would be disappointed. Yeah. I would... Do you expect at least a trailer, even if it doesn't come out this year? I think you stay quiet about yeah, it. Yeah. If it's not this year, shut up about it. Yeah, because if you're going to reintroduce Splinter Cell and yeah. stuff like that. you got like enough that. to worry about, and you got, like, For Honored. If you, if you really want, like, you know, old-school sword and sandal stuff, you got For Honor to kind of, like, fill that, that gap. And you got a bunch of stuff to push at E3 already. Yeah, you got, you got the crew, a, too, a of, that you're trying to get some traction you don't on. Need to do. you probably, there's probably new Ghost Recon stuff, because that's been so popular. Yeah. You probably got the Division 2 in your back pocket speaking like of plenty, which that's another that was another about. game on the list the division two yeah i mean I, I mean we pretty much know that's happening i mean they're it's still they're still releasing new stuff for division one yeah that's pretty shocking i mean I ubisoft like I, games as a service i mean i mentioned it last last week it really does it right it does yeah. it does not give up well I, I feel like i i feel like i don't need a division two i i i was ultimately very disappointed in the division mm. i was in Disappointment is always a quotient of how excited you were before. Yeah. And I was very, very excited for The Division. I, mean, I played like, And ultimately pretty disappointed I played in like 50 hours of it. It's not like I didn't like no, it. No, me either. I, I mean, I, I played just, it a ton too. I just don't feel like I'd want to go back to that necessarily. I feel like I, feel like I did it. New City, you think you did? But they're kind of tied into New York, yeah, aren't I they? Don't, I don't know. You're going to do the other half of Manhattan? I don't care. I yeah. Don't, maybe something a little less snowy? I mean, it's just... it's. Something a little less repetitive would yeah. make me happy. That's well, I mean, that's really New York. Me. I mean, New York's a giant concrete jungle. Yeah, yeah I wasn't talking about the environments. So I was talking about, like, the game and the mission objectives yeah. in general and the enemies. I felt like I was fighting the same guys over and over. It was a pretty simple kind of extrapolation of MMO style yeah. to, a, to a shooter. And it Absolutely. worked okay. It worked, it worked better than I thought it would. I enjoyed it. Like, like you said, I did play it for, like, 40 hours, mm-hmm. so I can't complain about it too much. But I will say, at the end of those 40 hours, I felt like I had got my fill right and i don't feel like the dlc ever did anything to make me want to boot it up again yep um, especially because I, mean, I was hoping to go to central park or something and the dlc was sewers yeah I know. so i hope they, they, they put that train back on the track maybe it might get me interested if it's something new and exciting but like when i think about the division two all i think about is a giant gray screen and <laughs> looking for another gun that's like two more than the one I have. Exactly. exactly and then the being same. happy I yeah. got it. And it's just like, um, <laughs> if I want to do that, I'll play Destiny. Honestly, the first thing I think about when I think of The Division is the Dark Zone. And mm-hmm. just the, the trepidation I had <laughs> in going in there after a couple bad experiences. I had a good time in The Dark Zone. I know, zone. you've always I said that. I did not, mm-hmm. and it made me not want to go in there. I'm just like, I feel like I'm wasting my time. It's too easier for people to take my stuff. And I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. But like, I just had a good group. Yeah. That mattered a lot. Uh, a couple more that, that were in that list. Forza Horizon, you mentioned that already. They had mm-hmm. it as Forza five. Horizon 5. Which would be even more surprising. Wow, that, that would be a shocker. Yeah. <laughs> Forza Horizon 4, This though. one's so good. Yeah. We're just going to skip 4 <laughs> and go right to 5. Forza Horizon 4, though, we both have expected that. It's, it's, I actually yeah, drafted it on my fantasy team yeah, earlier the time in is the year. Right. Um, there's already been some kind of light leaks about it already. I fully expect to see this, at, uh, see it at E3. Um, and uh, I love Forza Horizon 3. I've said it before. It's my favorite racing game of the generation mm-hmm. so far. Um, 
maybe a little early for another one because Forza Horizon 3 is still amazing. Yeah, but they've been doing them every two years. They have, so. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much a no-brainer. That's going to be shown, and it'll be released by, probably by the end of the year, which it, with the state of exclusive Xbox One games, anything you take what you point, can get. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, and this one was the one that made me wonder if the whole list was a lie, hmm. Gears of War 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, to me, is the wishful thinking one, I think. I think it's, it's time. But it, it's really time for Halo, though, not Gears. Halo's a long way out. They had, to, they had to go back to the drawing board on that one. They've, 343's even said that. But it's been two years since Gears 4. That's about the, about the time. To show it, I guess. I think it's coming out this year. Really? I think I think so. I would be surprised. I mean, look, they have the engine. I'm not saying that. it'll be good. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, two years is enough time to cram a, another campaign into that engine and come up with some new multiplayer ideas and maybe do a mini battle royale mode and call it a day. Like, Did you like Gears 4? Not really. You didn't? I, I thought it was visually imp- very impressive. It just, that type of, that, that gameplay just doesn't really hook me. And I didn't, I mean, I know eventually it, it warms back up again, but, like, the early part of the game just did not grab me at all. Um, I liked it. I, I didn't think it was one of the stronger entries in the franchise. Yeah. I it liked also, it better than 3. It I'll say that se- much. It also seems to make the error no, I liked like, it better than Judgment. That's why I liked it better than Everybody likes it better than Judgment. Yeah. Gears of War Judgment and God of War Ascension are two of the least remembered games of their yeah. series. I think. Black eyes on the franchise. Yeah, the two G.O.W.s nobody remembers. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Gal. Some, I, I love the fight over that, by the way. Who gets to have G.O.W.? G-O-W I mean, yeah. I, to me, it's God of War. Like, Gears is Gears. Like, yeah, Gears is Gears. just Gears, yeah. yeah. And then, if you say Gears, everybody knows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, but like, I honestly disagree with you here. I would be really shocked if this game is even shown. I think and even for, more shocked if it came out this year. I, I think it's time. It's It's been two years, and I don't think you really need to reinvent the wheel again like they did with 4. Well, look, like um, I said, they do have the engine Not that they there. did, but the engine was the big... Yeah. And so they've got it there. They, I mean, you could make a Gears 5 in two years. You could. It and would probably not be content. very good, but you could. But they need content. they got nothing else. That's a good point. Microsoft is kind of desperate at this point. And for... they have a company whose entire job is to make Gears of War games. Yeah. So I think it's coming this year. All right. We'll see about that. But no, You'll uh, notice I didn't think it's coming this year hard enough to put it on my fantasy list. Right, right. <laughs> but like, I, I'm, I feel like Cautious. this is not great. Cautious optimism, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, And that's pretty much it. Those were the games that were on the list. Um, Can we both agree that we don't want any more leaks before E3 at this point? Yeah, I mean, we've probably seen about a third of the reveals already if all that stuff is Well, there's also another one we're going to talk about a little later in the show that kind of popped up today. Uh, But I'm cool. It's like, I kind of like getting a couple leaks here and there. It kind of starts getting the blood flowing, gets the hype going for the show. But I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. this was enough. Seeing this one listing on uh, Walmart.com satisfies me. I want everything else that's left to be a surprise mm-hmm. for us and for everybody else. Yeah, I mean, most of this, I mean, the surprises that, like, usually deliver for me are the Sony. Sony and Nintendo's reveals are usually the most interesting ones. It doesn't look like um, Sony's going to have much of anything, though. It looks like they're just going to focus on those four games. Um, we'll we're going to talk about Days Gone here in a little bit. In an interview with Game Informer that was published this week, the lead developer of Days Gone, they asked him, he said, okay, I'm going to go up with my thumb. You tell me when it hits the point of the exposure you're going to get at E3. And he got to, like, here, and he's like, stop. Hmm. So it appears that Sony's going to just play some emphasis on that quartet of games, and everything else is just going to get kind of pushed off to the peripheral periphery. We'll see. So what's the quartet? 
Spider-Man. It was, shockingly enough, Death Stranding was one of them. Really? Yeah. I saw Keeley tweeting about, like, it's exactly one month until we learn more about Death Stranding. Kind of well, yeah. <laughs> no surprise there, but I'm shocked that it's one of the big games that they're going to be focusing on at the show. Man, you gotta Maybe Kojima's spent a stepped lot of up money. his game a little bit at this point. Maybe that was part of it. I mean, if I were Sony, that would be part of my deal with him. It was like, you oh. got to do this in a timely fucking I would have had clauses yeah. in that contract that said, look, we got milestones. Like, you better hit them. We em. got milestones for days. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't want to hit them, you one can of them. find somebody else to yeah. pay for your pet project. So We don't care how many Norman Reedus headshots you send us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or how many times you tweet a picture of him. Or <laughs> Mads Mickelson or whatever his name is. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for the Walmart stuff. Let's move on. We're going to talk next, next about Pillars of Eternity 2, mm-hmm. as I like to call it. it. Its actual title was Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire. I call it Pillars of Eternity 2 Dead Boring. Mm-hmm. I am bored to tears over this game, Matt. I've, I've spent about 12 hours playing this game at this point, and I just reached a point where I'm like, why am I playing this game? <laughs> To find out whether you'll be able to save all the souls and bring them back to the wheel. Uh. This game is for mm, people who are more into meta fantasy than you are. I think it's it's got a, it's a, it's uh, it's I've played probably about eight or nine hours of it. Um, it is a it is a descendant of the Infinity Engine games, the Baldur's Gates and the Icewind Dales and etc. Um, by Obsidian, um, who added their own drama recently when Chris Avalon popped up to uh, post some some. Uh, Juicy bits about uh, his relationship with them. Um, that's another subject. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, this is, I t- it turned out I actually backed this on Fig. You forgot. Which I forgot I did. You know, and also, if you did. The, and I was like, oh, get, I should if get. If it does well, you'll make money. No, I won't. I didn't invest. I backed oh, it. Oh, gotcha, it's gotcha. Two different things. Gotcha. Um, but if you, inv- you back it, you get a much, you know, it's like half the cost of buying it new game, off yeah. of Steam or whatever. Um, so I, I turned out I backed because I did like the first one. I, I backed the first I, one. On by the way, I did not play the first one at all. See, that's part of the problem because there's a lot of stuff from the first one happening they in this. Assume, I, I cut up to the plot okay. Right, but, but the, the characters. Actual gameplay? Well, yes, there's that, that's a different oh thing. Oh my god. But what I'm saying is like the way you create kind of the backstory for the character. I mean, you are literally the same character the same soul of the same character from the first game. All the stuff, like the, the stuff they do at the beginning of the game, that's the end of the first game. Like what happened and, and kind of the happily ever after sort of idea there. All these characters you're talking to early on are characters that are from the, the previous game and you're kind of, you have to kind of reestablish your, your relationship with them and sort of do the thing where it's like, oh, I remember you. You know, if you've never played them, like you're going to be missing out on kind of like these these relationships There's, and there pre-exist. are lots of like inside jokes yeah. and things like that but it is funny because i did go back and play uh, a couple hours of the first one kind of remind myself of the differences because they're very similar obviously yeah. you know they're infinity engine it's derived yeah. and um but it, it's interesting how Deadfire is uh they streamlined the inter- interface and how it plays tremendously from the first game um believe it or not and um, that is hard to the believe the funny thing about about uh the first one is that it explains like when you first start it up it explains to you what hit points are okay it goes this game 
is just it just either assumes you're a veteran or it doesn't even tell you how your ship works. It doesn't tell you anything. Like you get all, eventually you you. I like, mean, a lot of it you, you get just your know ship repaired. You, I've played games like this in the past, but. but the ship thing I think is the where I for the first place I really felt like hey wait a minute like what do you do? you have to hire a crew you have to buy supplies you have to get on the ship and then like it, you moving on the ship uses up supplies and one of my my crew members got injured and it turned out and it wasn't until I read a post on a forum I read that oh you have to move that character out of their slot to let them heal or else they drag the morale of the crew down and all the and there's nothing telling you about that like in terms There's of so copying up much stuff. meta in this game it yeah. is just system after system and it doesn't explain anything no, it leaves it there for you to find and, and again like i have played a ton of games like this a long time ago i haven't really played this mm. genre for quite a while so I was able to kind of figure it out eventually, but there's still a bunch of nuances that I still don't quite understand yeah, you about. Got, it. You got to figure a lot of stuff out for yourself, which I don't mind. It's just it's it's it, today it's considered user unfriendly to do that. Yeah. Um, I actually like it a fair amount. Uh, I have to be in the right mood for it because, like you say, it is it's a slow burn. Uh, I kind of fell asleep once. <laughs> playing well, it you go for huge stretches without any combat. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just it's very story driven. You sail here. You walk mm. through the town, you talk to 20 different people, you get to the palace, the leader of that area tells you, hey, I need you to do this. You walk back to the beach, you get on mm. the boat, you take off, you go to the new land. I did that for like three times before I f f uh, found some combat at one point in the game. It is not, it's not an action game. It's no. also not, well, I know no, we call our... these action RPGs. They're really not. They're no, more no like- one, No one calls these action RPGs. This isn't an action RPG. This is a real time with pause game. Nobody calls them that, though. People call them isometric People who play action them call RPGs. It this is not an action RPG. But that's what they're classified as, isometric action Not by action anyone RPGs. who plays them. Nobody calls them that. They're real-time with pause, RTWP. But I've never even heard that. Because you don't play these games. You don't interact I have with played that. these but games But you don't interact with the life. fandom for these games. Like, that's what they call them. Well, Pro I, I, I can I tell promise. you, I listen to a lot of podcasts who have talked about this game. Nobody has called it that. But anyway, the point is, it's not an action RPG at all. No. It's... It's more like an MMO, really, and that you kind of queue up no, it's like... A, it's an old... It's Baldur's Gate. It's yeah. a, a turn-based RPG with real-time... Well, it's like KOTOR. It, yeah. like, it plays out in real-time, but really it's rolling a lot of dice under the hood. It's, yeah. it's turn-based with presentation, basically. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, and like, you know, it, it, it's, it's about learning the systems, not clicking quickly. It's, yeah. it's not Diablo. It just looks like it. And, um, and as these things go, it's a pretty good uh, example. I mean, I played a lot of the modern versions of these real-time with pause games, and uh, I played you know, this and the first one, and Tyranny, and Torment, and basically all the kickstarted, you know, this is a subgenre that's really been kickstarted to hell and back because like, no one was making them yeah. forever. And now and I now know you, why. And that, well, yeah, they're a niche. They're a niche of a niche audience, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And, and like you know, that audience, you know, the 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 pinnacle of that experience for most people tends to be either Baldur's Gate 2 or Planescape Torment. And Planescape Torment is kind of more the Obsidian style, yeah. uh, story driven, very lore driven. And these games are like that. You you have full cutaways to like what can only really be described as like like a D&D dungeon master moment where like you get like kind of someone narrating a situation you yeah. have to pick your reactions and you can use it's skills. It's exactly what it is. It's, it's like what it is. Sitting it's sitting at a like table a yeah. and someone's reading yeah. like the book. Yeah. It's absolutely going for something like that. Uh, Very you, wordy. Yes. I and mean, the, they... And like, you know, Torment and Tyranny are like that as well. so in some cases. Like that's because, but like that's what these games are for. That's who these games are for. Yeah. And it's a little... To me, for me, it's a little dense. It's a little much because yeah. I don't really, you know... 
if if someone's reading the text out loud, I don't wait for them to finish. I just no, I, just skip, I skim it. the text yeah. and and jump ahead. I get I get what you're saying. Souls, things, demons. I get it. I you just know, started people. tuning it all out after a while. Um, like, but I do like that. Like the settings a little different from usual. You know, like the first game starts you in in you know the moss covered hall. You know, underground hallways of dungeons and tombs. This one starts you on a beach. And then, like, you get your ship fixed, and you kind of sail around this sort of, like, Caribbean area thing. Yeah. It's, like, it was, it's a little brighter. It's a little interesting. You get to learn about kind of this archipelago that's referred to in the first game but is never visited. So, yeah. like, and, like, yeah, you, know, you can even have... That's like, Deadfire. Yeah, Deadfire, Deadfire, Arca Deadfire Archipelago, Archipelago. And which, is, yeah. which was actually an option for your character's origin when you created them in the first game. Like, you could have them be from that area, and now you can come back there. If you import that character, uh, you get a lot of, like... You have a lot of dialogue options that, that are unlocked because you're from there and you know kind of the local stuff, yeah. uh, which I thought was cool. There's a lot of, they pay very much attention to, a lot of attention to how you built your character, what your character's skills are, what they know, their lore, are they good at lore, are they good at history, are they good at, you know, street smarts, like all that. So you, you can solve situations in a lot of different weird ways based on what your characters can do, and I really like that. I like I like it a lot. I just it's not my favorite thing of the year just because I'm my, my attention span isn't what it used to be. <laughs> isn't and look again I didn't play the first game, but isn't this kind of the same story as the first game? You're actually hunting the same. Um, not because he was supposed to be dead at the end of the first one. It turns out he's not, and now you're on the hunt for him again. Uh, That's what I picked you're, up. From you're looking anyway. for you're looking for the same god you were hunting down. Uh, you didn't quite. I don't think you quite expected it to unfold the way it unfolds at the beginning of this. Yeah. Where basically uh, he possesses a giant statue, climbs his way out of the ground, and steps on you. Yeah, and then yeah. like, and then your soul has to. You're kind of in service to this goddess or god like you're, you're working is the thing is like you're, you're kind of dealing you're in you're under the under the thumb i guess of like one of like the top six gods of this world and like there's like scenes where you have you, you end up sort of in the midst of all the other gods and they're all kind of arguing with each other and like you can interject and they're like you got some balls interjecting right into the, yeah. into the gods conversation here but like um, and you're you're what's called a watcher, which means like you can see souls and yeah. like and like see people's past lives and stuff, and you retain your memories of yourself when you die and come back in another body, which is look at that pretty much look at that skill tree. Yeah, the by skill the way. trees are no joke. <laughs> That's no freaking joke. Um, and I'm playing I'm playing as a uh, as a ranger, so I which is same I was in the first game, so I have my. Uh, my pet lion. That's my. So I'm. I'm shooting bows. Now was there any carryover with the saves for the yes. second one? I w but it was um, because you get stomped on and you have to recreate yourself. Yeah. It's not skills or anything. It's all what you chose. Okay. It's all story continuity. Gotcha, it's gotcha. character continuity. Who's dead? Who's not dead? What you did with the souls you gathered over the course of the first game? Who you sided with? You know, they all. Rem they remember all that stuff. Okay. Um, and then if you don't have a save, you can just choose what you did through kind of a little quiz they give you at the beginning like they normally do with these kind of games. Yeah, they, I mean, as a newcomer who had not played the first game, like they gave me like five options to choose yeah. from. It was very ambiguous. Well the, well, the problem is I did actually start a game without a save import just to see what it asked me. Uh -huh. And like, if you didn't play the first game, there's no possible way you know what the significance really of any of those choices no are. It's like, I picked the one in the middle. <laughs> Probably fine, yeah. There's like, basically it's like, the top four are like fine, and then the bottom, there's like one that's like, I didn't care about anything, yeah. and I did everything that was the evilest way possible, yeah. and like let everyone else die, and I'm like, that's, and like there's actually a warning on that one, it's like, don't pick this one unless you just want to fuck with shit. Yeah, like, and they and, give you a warning, I mean the game, in that way the game is pretty good, because again, I did not play the first one, so 
Um, like you can have dual classes, mm -hmm. but the game will recommend to you. Warns you, yeah. It'll no. say, hey, like if you haven't played this before, you should probably just stick with one class per character, mm -hmm. which I ignored anyway, but mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever. Well, it's like, I, even, I think they need to. And do here's so the ship. Here's yeah. the ship interface. I think they need to do something with the multi-classing because it feels like the multi-class. There's an error in it where if you uh, if you um, if you like reset this, the skills, you only get half your skills back. Oh. So I think that's I think that's a mistake. I don't think that's intentional. I, oh, think, okay. I think they need to patch that. But you're like with the ship, like this is a new element to you because it's a new addition to the game. But yeah, this is. Also I had no new. clue what I was doing. It's like okay, you need food and water, so I bought mm. food and water. And then we set sail, and like you said, you start seeing the morale of your crew dropping, and I'm like, wait a minute, it never tells you how to feed the food or water to your crew. Um, I was just, like, completely lost. What? Wampler. Oh, wow, Wampler just subscribed with Twitch Prime for eight months in a row. Wow, yeah. thank you, man. That is, that's freaking awesome. Thank you so much. It's cool that the that the stream will actually pop that stuff up. I enabled mm -hmm. like some kind of an overlay for the channel. I wonder if that's like one of the things that it does. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how any of that works. Regardless, thank you, man. Really appreciate that. It's cool that it popped up. I'm actually glad that I can actually see the chat while we're doing the show <laughs> for once, which is great. Uh, but the boat, it didn't tell you like anything. No, like, like it doesn't even really give you, a t I mean, it gives you a little bit of tutorial about like, how combat works later, but that's sort of like after you've encountered a ship for the first time. Yeah. Um, and like by that point, I was like so rare, and you just I just want to sail, and I didn't really read a lot, so I, I had to go back and look at some of it and figure it out myself. Well, it kept saying that I didn't have enough crew to operate the right. boat, and yet I sailed wherever I wanted. Right. Well, because what you're supposed to do me. there is like once you get off the beach, you're stranded on. You're supposed to sail up to the top of that island, go back to the port you've been working out of, and hire some crew and uh, buy some supplies. They didn't mention that actually. Um, in, uh, but then story. once you do that, you're kind of just like, okay, there you go. I mean, like you can. There's like a city that they tell you you're probably supposed to. You know, you should go to this one city that's like way up north. But like on the way up there, I ran in like two ships. I got in a fight. I got on. I found another island. I wandered around the island. I found some fruit. You know, I, 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 my my crew kept getting unhappy because all I had in the in the active slots for their food food and drink was was water and hardtack. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, where's the beer? Because to keep the morale up, you need ale basically. Yeah. And I had found Makes tons sense. of ale and tons of fruit and stuff over the course of the early part of the game. So, but I didn't know that I had to go into the sh the interface. So I had to I had to basically poke around the ship interface for a while. One of my crew members got injured somehow, and like she was just sitting there dragging the team down for like until I figured out that like you I throw her say, overboard. No, you just have to move <laughs> her out of her job, and she'll start oh. to heal. But like until they do that, like there's a morale penalty for like working with an injury. And it doesn't tell you any of that. And stuff. it's yeah, you gotta you just kind of gotta learn it brute force style. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of stuff. You know, you can upgrade to like galleons and stuff if you get enough. Yeah, gold you can go and I buy mean, like a new hull, and yeah. like there's crazy customization for the look. I think by now people have figured out what this game is about. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of the uh, the curious one who was like, I haven't played one of these for a while. I want to check it out and see if maybe I can get into it. Boy, did you jump in the deep end. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's not, this is not a game for somebody who really wants to kind of experiment with these kind of games. Um, I found it really, yeah. really I boring. Would, I would definitely suggest playing the first one first. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you can probably jump into this one, but like. I mean, I did. I'm it, making it, headway. Yeah. I'm not But it like just really feels like, it, well, two things. First, it feels like it assumes that you, if you want to get the most out of the story and the character interactions, you're going to need to know what happened in the first game. And second, if you are into these kind of games, you have played the first one. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's, you know, Obsidian is kind of the king of these games to a lot of people that are into this subgenre. And I think you played Pillars 1 already if you 
And if you didn't, I think it's it's on consoles now. Uh, is it? I think so. I don't think first so. First one. Oh, the first one, yeah. Yeah, not this one, about this one. But the yeah. first one, I think, has hit consoles. Yeah, it's only now. on PC right now, but console versions are coming mm -hmm. of Pillars 2. But uh, look, if you're like a, an action gamer, typically, um, and you like something that's maybe gets your heart racing here and there, this, no, this is, is not this the not game. for you. You, you. you need to pretty much read fantasy novels. If, if that's... You, you like. I would say that's a prerequisite to enjoy this game. And I don't read fan. I don't like fantasy novels very yeah. much, but like I like a, a decent mythology. And there's it a pretty, has tons of it. There's a cool I mean, lore behind this game. Almost I too like much. It. Yeah, it's stuff. it's it's uh, someone spent a long time drawing this world up. Yeah. And building this world. And then into writing something. the script. I can't yeah. even imagine how big the script is in this game. And it's all oh, yeah. voiced. It's all a lot of his voice and pretty much every even, line in the game. Most is of the voiced. lines are voiced, and some of the scenes, even the text like descriptions are yeah, voiced. Like absolutely. some woman is reading you what they're thinking, like a dungeon yeah. master. Like they're <laughs> like they're reading you like like kind of the big moments of the game are all fully yeah. narrated to you. Yeah, which I think is kind of cool. Like I, I like yeah. that. Um, uh, it's slower than just reading it, but I like the kind of the presentational sort of. Slow is a good way to describe the game in mm. general. It's like one of those games where do not you cannot be one of those players who's always in a rush to do something and enjoy this game. Mm. You have to be someone who's just like, let the game come to me. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta soak in this one. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I think at this point you get a good gist of what it's all about. I will say that, you know, it's a high quality game. Oh, yeah. It, for this genre, it, it's pretty much the cream of the I, crop. I, yeah, I think this is the highest production value of this kind of game I've seen. And I'm sure you've seen by now the visuals are gorgeous and it is yeah, pretty it's varied. Definitely, it's definitely a step up from the first game's visuals and, and the character models and everything. Yeah. And everything you equip and do, on, you know, is all reflected on your character. Yep. Like it's, you can have a little, you can have pets. I like that you can have you could have pets in the first game, but the pets in this game actually uh, give bonuses to the party. Yeah. Uh, so there's a better reason to have them, and like you can you can pretty much adopt every animal you encounter in the game. And like at a certain point, you've just got this legion of dogs and cats and <laughs> a chicken you picked up somewhere and a ghost pig and like it's you know it's there's a lot there. And there's, you saw by those skill trees, like even after mm -hmm. 12 or 13 hours of playing, all my characters had just myriad options for attacks and spells, and it uh, and it piles on really really fast. So. Um, I think if you love Dungeons and Dragons, you're probably going to love this game. I mean, mm -hmm. makes sense. But uh, if it's you're very, not a big it, tabletop D and D player, I think it's, it's been influenced uh, strongly. I think by uh, uh, I can't remember the name. There's very the various settings in D and D. Like there's different kind of universe. You know, there's like Forgotten Realms and there's mm -hmm. uh, Planescape and there's a, yeah. This is influenced by one of them in particular. And now I can't remember which one it was, but it's a it's kind of a classic unofficial follow-up to that but now i can't remember which one it was i will say this though you'll get it the game seems gigantic yeah. to it's me. a little planescapey yeah. at the very least and um, i think if you like games like this you're gonna get your money's worth out of it yeah i mean it's not as long i mean i think, I think it's like 30 40 hours which is not a like, crazy long i'm for surprised these games. to hear that because at 12 um, hours it feels like i'm just scratching the surface well i also of feel like if you just run through the story i think it's about 30 40 hours if you want to just wander around the archipelago and find islands and you can name islands as well yeah. when, you, when you conquer an island you can name the island yeah uh, you can name them all whatever you want which is cool um, I, I think there's a lot more to waste your time with. You could probably squeeze closer to 100 hours out of it. Um, I don't know if I have the attention span for that. I would not make it. I, I'm done. I'm not going to play any more of it. Like, and especially now that the year is going to start heating up. Like, I wanted to play mm -hmm. it because I regretted not playing the first one because it was getting such good buzz. And at the end of the year, I was like, I don't know anything about this game. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to make sure I spent some time with this one. It's 
not my cup of tea, but I can see where for a certain player, it is absolutely their cup of tea. It's exactly what they're looking for. So I think after our discussion, mm -hmm. people know whether this game is something that would interest them. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. All right, next we're going to talk about a racing game. Uh, I always complain about genres that are stagnant, lack of innovation. It's not actually almost every genre at this point is kind of hit this rut where we're just kind of seeing the same iteration over and over. A lot of the innovation we're seeing is in monetization practices and not necessarily in game design. Mm -hmm. um, a couple months ago, a trailer came out for a racing game called Trailblazers, and we featured it as our trailer of the week because we were like, hot dog, a different kind of racing game. And uh, email came into my inbox from the PR company representing it. I asked for a review code, they sent it to me, and I have been playing it. The game is called Trailblazers. And the most generic way you can describe the game, and it's the way everyone's describing it, including us, my gamey Val went up today for it, and I use this very phrase, is Splatoon crossed with F-Zero. Um, how it innovates is that, it, one, it's a team-based racer. You, you pair up with another racer and you work together to win each race. But what really makes it innovative is the Splatoon elements, which is as you go, you can choose to lay ink down on the track. And the next time you come around the track, if you go across your color, you get a turbo boost. Hmm. So you can see right now I'm laying down yellow. And then you hit these gates, and the gates will give you free patches of your color. So when you first make your first lap around a track, what you want to do is try to paint a line all the way around the track in your color. Because, I mean, that's really the objective of the whole game, is to create a path all the way around the track of your color only, so you can turbo the whole way around the track. Mm -hmm. Now you're on a team you're on a team and you have a teammate with you who is helping you paint your lines but also to paint over the lines of the enemy team. So while you're painting this the line that you're going to use on your second lap and you can see now I'm on the second lap. So now I have this yellow path all the way across the track that will let me boost. And the longer you stay on your color, your boost level goes up. So it has like level 1, stage 2, stage 3 and then finally stage 4. Um, and so it just imparts this whole other Set new semblance of strategy into a racing game. Um, I've, I've, haven't played a game as innovative as this probably since Test, uh, Test Drive Unlimited back in 2006, which was like the first like big budget open world racing game. And obviously it's a hover racer. It has an insane speed. Um, so you got the Splatoon painting elements. You have the kind of the turbo strip elements of the F-Zero franchise and the look of Borderlands. It has mm -hmm. like kind of a Borderlands art style to it. But I've never played a racing game like this before, and uh, let alone one in the last 10 years that was something that I had never really played before. The problem is, this is the first ever game from this studio. They've never made a game before, and it has not necessarily a lot of bugs, but a lot of weird quirks with it. For instance, if you get to the edge of the course, the cor it almost acts like a magnet, and it, you get stuck to the edge of the course, and you can't really get, hmm. your, you can't really get off of it, until you hit a straightaway. And that, to me, is just inexcusable. It, it ruins a lot of races. It'll make you reset a race before you even finish the first lap, which I hate with... A lot of racing games are kind of like that, but it's one of my pet peeves with racing games that I, that I hate. Um, other, there are actually some bugs. Like, every once in a while, your car just disappears <laughs> and just reappears somewhere else on the track. Uh, that happened. Bad. That happened in both single-player and multiplayer for me. Um... What else? Uh, the colors in the game, some of the tracks are fine, but there are some, some tracks where there's literally like every color 
under the rainbow and then some is used and it can make it really hard when you get up to those really high turbo speeds to uh, see objects on the track. Obviously after a while you memorize the track and it's not as big of an, of an issue. But here's the thing, despite all these problems, I still had a blast with it because I've never played a racing game like this one before and it's a genre that probably is one of the more stagnant in the entire industry. Certainly arcade racers don't seem to have a lot left in them. Yeah. No, certainly not even. Oh, there's what you're talking about there. Yep. And the other big problem with the game is the collisions. The collisions are a complete mess. Whether you hit an, a track object or you hit another racer, it's a complete wild card as to what happens after you hit. The physics just aren't realistic or reliable. So usually after you crash with another car or you crash really hard into an object, you pretty much just, again, have to restart the race. Um, this game is getting no traction whatsoever. Yeah, you're the only person I know talking about this. There are two reviews on the entire internet for this. Well, now three, <laughs> now that my game eval went up. There are three reviews on the entire internet for this game right now. And that made it a challenge to review because I could never get games. I'd sit online and uh, wait for like 20 minutes or until my controller disconnected and still could not get games. So I reached out to PR. They set up games where we, I basically invited them to a game and they came and played. So I got to check out the net code and see how it ran. It runs great. No lag online whatsoever. Dude, as of right now, there's just no player base for the game at all. And so I fear that this is a great idea, a great concept, albeit a bit flawed, that is just going to disappear into the annals of video gamedom hmm. and it'll be like it never even happened. And that's why I wrote the Gamey Vow. That's why we're talking about it on Game Face right now because I, there's a, a large audience of people out there, I believe, that will absolutely love this game. Um, even when you go to play online, you can have someone locally join your team and go and play online. Now, the caveat with that is it does give you an advantage because you can communicate with that person sitting on the couch with you, mm. but there's no voice chat in online play. Um, so there's all kinds of just these little quirks about it that make it hard to recommend as a full purchase, but it makes me sad because I want people to play this. I want to keep playing it. I want to have people to play against online to really test my skill because the AI after a while it starts to get old like any driving game. So I don't know what's going to become of it, but it's, it's out for pretty much every platform at this point, Xbox One, PS4, PC. I don't know if it's out for Switch yet, but it's coming to Switch. Um, I've had a blast with it. Uh, the single player campaign, it, it actually has one. It's a series of races. The other thing I should mention about this game is it's not just who crosses the finish line first is the winner. Um, in most races, it's, de it's determined by who gets the most race points. And race points you get by laying down paint, by boosting across the paint that you've laid down, and by drifting. And at the end of the race, all those points are added up, which gives you X amount of race points. And when you play online, race points determine who wins the race. So you could cross the finish line first, and actually finish the race in like third. Hmm. Uh, when you play single player, each race gives you three conditions to satisfy. And in most cases, they're never like finish first. It's always like get the most boost points, take out three enemies with your attacks, get lay down the most paint on the track. Um, and then sometimes those objectives are kind of at loggerheads because sometimes they'll tell you to like beat your teammate. And you'll find yourself like aggressively trying to like take your teammate off the track so that you finish first. So some of the stuff's a little bit weird in how it's set up, um, but it is refreshing. It is different. I've never played a racing game like it. I know people will look at it and be like, oh, it's just like an F-Zero knockoff, but 
it should be. This should be F-Zero. This is this type of stuff mm. that I feel like a, a franchise like F-Zero needs to do to be fresh again. So, um, again, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because it's not a big game, and I know a lot of you guys are maybe already starting to doze off, but I'm telling you, you should give this game a chance. I have a feeling that the developers are going to take the feedback to heart. They're going to get this game to a place where it's not going to have kind of all... And you can see here where, like, the guy in front of me is painted yellow, and I'm trying to paint over his because you also want to play defense so that they don't have that unbroken loop around the track all in their color so they can just turbo all the way around it. So lots of strategy. The handling's great. Uh, that's one thing I will say. Once you get into a wreck or whatever, it, it's kind of messy. But the handling itself feels awesome. Um, I w in a, a matter of a few races, I was able to get up to the fourth level of turbo and handle it just fine around the track. So I really am enjoying it. I, I'm scared that this game is going to go away and people aren't going to get to experience it. At the very least, kind of keep your eye on it or maybe follow it on Sifted and wait for a deal to come up for the game. Um, I do recommend it despite its issues. Um, it's not, it doesn't cost that much right now, but once it gets down to like the $15 range, I would say buy this without hesitation. You have the advantage of all the patches by then and all the tweaks and changes that they've made to it. Uh, solid foundation now, and I think it could really become something special. I really hope, honestly, that this developer gets a chance to make a sequel uh, if it doesn't do well because it is something different and there aren't enough developers that are really pushing the envelope anymore. Yeah, this feels like the kind of thing like a major like hardware manufacturer would like kind of snap up and, and say, like, okay, let's try this again. Yeah. But, you know, based upon what I've seen so far, it seems like it's sold like a thousand copies or something like that. So Well, I've never heard of it before. So Yeah, other than when we did, we did the trailer yeah. of the week. It's, it, and that's the other thing, too, is they put out the first trailer for it like two months ago and then now it's out mm -hmm. it's like when you have a, a concept like this like this should have been like on a tour where they took it around should, to should outlets and, yeah i mean this should have got way more coverage than it's got um, i mean here's where you can really see like the splatoon it's like different colored ink like sprayed everywhere mm -hmm. um, and you start it's funny you'll start looking just for that little strip of color uh for your color to try to stay on that turbo um I've never looked at racing games the way I looked at this one. Like I was talking about those gates earlier. You get in this rhythm where you go through a gate, it gives you a free runway of your color. As soon as you get to the edge of that, then you start laying down the ink. And you try to lay that ink down until you get to the next gate. And then you get the free ink. And then you, as soon as that drops off, you try to lay down. It's, it's hard to explain unless you've played it. But after you've made a couple laps with it, you start to kind of get the idea of, of what's behind it. So again, I, I'm a fan. Uh, go buy it so I have somebody to race against online. Hmm. <laughs> There's literally nobody met. I don't know if it was like a matchmaking glitch with their code, their net code or whatever, but I, it would just sit there. I'd like be working along. I'd keep looking over. Nope, still nobody, still nobody. Controller would drop. Hmm. Tap the controller, go out, come back in, let it sit, and I could just can never get games. And finally, PR kind of helped me out when we set up games that way. But uh, if you're the type of person who complains about the lack of innovation in video games, and I'm one of them, I do it all the time, these are the type of games that you need to support. Because if you don't, publishers are not going to support them. And this isn't just a straight up indie game. I believe uh, Rising Star Games is the publisher of it. So it has a publisher. It's one of the bigger indie publishers. Uh, so it's not completely solo, but I think the marketing and promotion of this game has been terrible. No one really knows about it. Uh, and I do like to kind of spotlight games like that that really have caught my eye uh, on Game Face, and maybe people will support it and go out and uh, pick it up. So that's it. That's Trailblazers. Again, it's available for everything except for Switch, I think, is coming in a, in a month or two, mm -hmm. something like that. But it's out for everything else right now. 
So let's move on. We're going to talk next about a story that dropped just today. Probably one of the more disappointing news stories of the year for me. And the rumor is, and now it's been corroborated by three or four different outlets, says, yeah, I've been hearing that too, is that Retro Studios is working on a game called Star Fox Grand Prix. Hmm. And the word is it's a racing game with a story mode very much like Diddy Kong Racing. How did you not title this Zero Fox Given? <laughs> oh, you're right. I, I did drop the ball there. <laughs> I, did, I totally dropped the ball. That's pretty good, Matt. <laughs> That's, that's pretty good. I think still, I think mine is still pretty good. No, I mean, good. it's accurate. <laughs> I'll never pass well, up a see, good Well, it's Fox also a play button. on F-Zero. Right. Because... I thought it was a play on Star Fox Zero. It is. It absolutely, it, it all is. But you're right, it would have been better if it had Fox in there. But still, <laughs> I'm still proud of that lower mm -hmm. third. Zero Fs given. I get it. Okay, yeah. You get it? Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway. Um, disappointment. For me, personally. Uh, we've been waiting to find out what Retro's been working on, it seems like, for forever. We found out also this week that it had been working on the Switch version of uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, mm -hmm. which we had kind of thought maybe it had been farmed out. No, Retro, in fact, did handle that port to Switch, which shouldn't have been too much work. Uh, but this new project from Retro, we've been waiting to hear about what it is forever. Thought we'd hear about it at last E3, we didn't. Then we hear Metroid Prime 4 is coming, we're like, oh, okay, that's what they're working on? Nope. Bandai Namco's working on that. And then today the news breaks that they're working on a Star Fox racing game. Not even F-Zero, mind you. Right, just Star Fox. Because Star Fox... <laughs> what? I mean, uh, Star Fox's father is in F-Zero. Right. So there's a connection in there somewhere? Yeah. Like, it's, every once in a while Nintendo pops up with something where I'm like, who thought this was what... You know, it's, it's like the no, Federation Force... Uh, Syndrome, where it's like, yeah. really? You thought you thought that's what mm. what people were looking for? Okay, yeah, sure. And, and you're using retro up on that. Yeah, interesting. And to be fair, I mean, if you remember, Diddy Kong Racing was a multi-discipline racing game. Mm -hmm. So you have carts, you have planes. Yeah, I mean, you had like these, like you got the R wing, you got the tanks, you got the walkers. Right. Presumably, there would be all those things. In I this. can't think of anything more boring than a racing game with one of the walkers from uh, <laughs> Star Fox. So to be perfectly honest with you, um, so I can kind of see why they're like, okay, let's make another Diddy Kong Racing. What IP kind of matches up with that? I can see where initially. And I can see where five or six suggestions in, you'd be like, I don't know, Star, Star Fox. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> but. Man, what a disappointment this is to me. And look, don't get me wrong. I love Diddy Kong Racing. I absolutely adored that game. I played game it. as hard as nails. Did you think it was hard? Diddy Kong Racing has a, a real reputation for being one of the hardest kart racers ever made. Really? Yeah. I shredded that game, like the man. High end, like the high-end like campaign races, fucking impossible. Wow. Like people... I was not aware of that. I breezed through that game, but I was like Mario Kart 64 god back then. Um, and I was really good at kart racers back in I that. know I never finished it. Oh, I absolutely did. Like, and then I think after you that finish it... That game cheated like crazy. Well, you finish it and it mirrors. And then you can play the mm -hmm. whole thing backwards. And I played the whole thing backwards and finished it. I'm shocked to hear that people think it was hard. I didn't think it was that hard at all. Oh, yeah. But... That, I, I, that's one of the... If you... Like, whenever there's threads and stuff about, like, oh, uh, games that, like, are for kids but are, like, crazy hard, this comes up. Really? Sure. I never knew that. Um, I had a blast with it. So I'm not pissed off that, hey, there's another Diddy Kong racing type game coming. I just don't like the fact that it's Retro that's making it. Plus, what pedigree does Retro have with a racing game? Yeah. <laughs> None. 
It's like, hey, let's make a kart racing game. Like, what? Uh, the way Nintendo is allocating its resources doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me sometimes. Um, why do you farm out the... Ne I mean, maybe Retro just didn't want to make another Metroid. That could be. Yeah. Which, fair enough. It's made three of them. And three great games, I might add. Maybe it wanted to move on. And maybe Retro said, we want to make a kart racer. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, kart racers aren't actually that common anymore. I mean, there's, yeah. there's the Sonic ones that pop up now and again. There's rumors that a new one of those is coming. But, like, I mean, I can see why the, the idea... But this is like... You already have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, yeah, which Mar is sold through the roof for Switch. And then again, maybe that's kind of the idea is, like, you know... It's sold through the roof, sold so through the people roof. will buy another we, one? We don't want to put up Mario Kart 9 right now, but here's another similar game... There's the twist of like space stuff and and scout walkers. Like I don't I don't know I don't know what to tell you. Like <laughs> I don't either, man. I'm just like what? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, sense. it's Nintendo. I assume there's I some, I mean, there's I some kind of wrinkle it. in there somewhere that makes it different. That makes it more than just what the pitch is. You no, know? that's a good point. I mean, like, there could be something in something. there where it's just like, oh wow, that changes everything. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, sure. Yeah. But I. I mean, the elevator pitch for Splatoon doesn't get across why it works. Right. Well, it's know? like me trying to explain Trailblazers in right. the last segment. It's like, until you play it and you make a couple laps around the track and you start to understand the strategy behind it, you don't get it. Like, there's that moment where you're playing Trailblazers where you're like, oh my gosh, I've never done this before. And I this I is... understood it watching it. It yeah. made, made sense to well, me. Well, again, you watched 10 laps around the track, but when you try to just explain it to somebody, it's difficult. And maybe if this game has some kind of element like that, sure, but... I don't know. I, I, it just seems like a misuse of resources. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to convince me one way or the other, but usually Nintendo has more, uh, has a, there's usually a gimmick or a twist somewhere in, in what they're doing. It's never, usually not a, just a straightforward. There was Star Fox Zero. True. <laughs> but that had a gim stupid gimmick where you had to use the damn Wii U controller. The to gyro to aim. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing, right, but right. there's probably another there's probably another thing in there about this game that we don't know yet. Yeah. And we'll, maybe that maybe something good, maybe something bad. And I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait for the Nintendo Direct, but uh, it's not what I, I was hoping for a little something a little more uh, epic adventure out of. Rap, I was hoping for retro. a new IP, to be perfectly honest with you. Mm -hmm. I was hoping that maybe Nintendo would give them the reins to just create something new. Although that's foolish, mm -hmm. because Nintendo generally. It handles the new IP, yeah, and it lets studios like Retro keep making games on yeah. based on. I mean, their IP. their greatest success has been taking an old IP and reinventing it. Yeah, um, which might be part of the the pitch for this thing. Now, Although look, reinventing if, Metroid as a th third as a first person adventure is a little different from. Here's one thing I would say: if it was Retro's just making a new Star Fox game, mm. I would be all over that all over it if it was just a, a star fox third person shooter action adventure where maybe they get out of the ships i would be a thousand percent behind that but if you're telling me they're making a star fox themed kart racing game mm. that doesn't add up to me um who better honestly like you said to reboot the star fox franchise than retro studios that would be incredible that would have brought the house down at E3, I think, if if it was announced that Retro is making a full-on Star Fox game. That would have been funny because, like, also, like, it, you would have been, you basically would have traded Retro and Namco's, like, previous big projects. Oh, you're right. Because Namco made the Star Fox, <laughs> that Star Fox game. Yeah, Star Fox Assault, Assault, right? yeah, the yeah. GameCube one. The it was arcade as, as well, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. But, um, 
and then so now Bandai Namco takes the Metroid, and yeah, they take the Star. Yeah, that Metro is takes the Star pretty Fox. odd. But uh, I don't know. The two to the franchises report. that like Nintendo never really seems to know what to do with. Like it feels like Nintendo's got like Star Fox and Metroid always feel to me like Nintendo looks at them sometimes and goes, "Why do we have this? Like, what do we do with this?" And it's just What's like, Nintendo gonna do with F Zero? I don't know. Make another one. I mean, that's the one thing I would say about Trailblazers. When you play it, it feels like a first-party Nintendo game. Like that's the the mm. freshness and the innovation you kind of get from it. It it's like a project that Nintendo is in, in, in Nintendo's R and D department that may never see the light of day. Mm-hmm. But it feels like you're playing maybe a Nintendo prototype or something that you were never supposed to play. Um, so maybe they can so do what, something. I mean, it's not like Mario sixty Mario Kart eight really like blows the doors off in terms of innovation. Yeah. It's just a solid idea a done race. really, really well. And yeah. like, you know, F- I mean, obviously F-Zero does not have the Mario cachet to, yeah. to sell 13 million copies or whatever it does, but like, I feel like a, it's been long enough since F-Zero existed in any form, really, that like you do one with modern tech and it's gonna look turn out pretty interesting. Is GX the last F-Zero yeah. game? Wow. I think there might've been like a GBA one or something that was before or after a little yeah. bit, but it's around that time. That's pretty crazy. It's been a long. I think that's the most, the longest, dormant, Nintendo franchise, major franchise right now. Wow, and that was a great game. Yeah. But maybe that's the problem. We're like, hey, this is a great game. It didn't sell, and so. It was a partnership with Sega. Yeah. Am two, I think. Yeah. Was a co-developer on that. Yeah, great game. Really hard. Mm-hmm. Really, really freaking hard. You want to talk about a hard racing game? Yeah, that was harder than Diddy Kong. Way harder than Diddy Kong. Not even in the same league. Uh, but I think that's what a lot of people admire about it, though, too, mm-hmm. is the challenge. I mean, I don't know if I ever even sto- completed the story mode in GX. I don't think I did. I don't think I could. <laughs> I think I got to, I, seriously, I think I got to a point where I was like, I can't beat it. And this was when I was younger, too, and like had actually had like great hand-eye coordination, so I just could not beat it. Tried it with like tons of different cars. Just It was just so hard. But uh, yeah, so F-Zero we'll see. has no mercy. It does have no mercy. That one in particular was really, really freaking hard. Because F-Zero X, I believe, for N64, that one was, was challenging, but not ridiculous. GX was just, man, just brutal. Uh, anybody who's finished that game, by the way, props. That's all I can say. If you managed to finish that game without cheats or anything, you the man. Uh, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Days Gone. Um, a game that I actually drafted this year and mm-hmm. disappeared. It's not yep. coming out this year, which I was surprised at. Um, and we hadn't seen anything from it for quite a long time. Apparently, they're just saving it all up for Game Informer because, oh my <laughs> God. Quite they, a blowout. They just exploded. So they, it's insane. They put out the first hour of the game, and then a couple days ago, they put out another 40 minutes of the game. Uh, the developers have been just doing like literally like 20-minute long interviews about the game. There's a little bit of please remember us to it going on, I think. I will say this much, after seeing Game Informer blow this game out, I'm surprised it's not coming out this year, because yeah. man, it looks like it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was a strategic thing, where Sony needs, like, hey, we need something big in that quarter, I don't know. It makes uh, you wonder what's in the fourth quarter. It does, absolutely. Um, like, it makes you wonder what's in there that they think is big enough that they don't need this. Yeah, maybe surprises at E3, or I don't maybe, know. Or maybe there's stuff going on that's not finished that we just, they just didn't show us here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's apparently got a lot of co-op stuff going on in it. Maybe that, that's probably a hard thing to, to get working properly. Well, there's no... So, there, like, you're, you have companions with you, but mm. there's no, like, playing with another human co-op. Mm. Uh, there's no online co-op. There's no local co-op. Uh, but there, you're right. There's a lot of time where you're with an AI companion mm-hmm. in the game. And I feel like, like basically, like, 
patience for AI companions has gotten low because they've gotten better. Yeah. Like I think I think if and who knows? Like maybe maybe it could have been something as as uh, just to speculate wildly. It could have been something as like weird as like, hey, this God of War games companion works flawlessly. Yeah. Why doesn't yours? Like you know, between Last of Us two presumably and God of War, I feel like there's you're you're making strides in the uh, the companion AI department, and maybe they felt Days Gone had to step that up too. Yeah. Um, so we were always wondering, like, how does this game actually play? What's the gameplay loop? We never could figure it out. They always show us just little patches of gameplay. Mm -hmm. And we had learned that you could use the Freakers, I think is what they're called, uh, to your advantage. And you could lore them into encampments and have them take out enemy encampments and that kind of thing. But we never really Weird, because people would call them zombies. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well... Like... <laughs> They, uh, there's an interesting interview that Game Informer does where they just ask like 150 questions like mm -hmm. in rapid succession. And uh, they ask him like, are they ever called zombies at any point in the game? And he says, no, Freak, they're freakers. So the old Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, and that interview is actually pretty interesting. Like then they ask him, uh, is it coming out before The Last of Us Part Two? And he says, yes. And this is coming out like mm -hmm. March 30th or yeah, something like before, that. Before the end, of, it's like right barely the, the end bell. of fiscal. Yeah. Like, um, Here's some things that I picked up on all the coverage from Game And by the way, the coverage at Game Informer is great. We're just giving you a crib nose version of this. So I highly recommend that you go to Game Informer or go to Sifted and check out the game page for Days Gone because they are just rolling out the coverage there. And we're just giving you like the, the shorthand version of this. But here's the stuff that I've picked up on in checking out the coverage. Uh, the bike is a huge, huge part of the game. The motorcycle that you ride is essentially your co-op partner. Mm -hmm. You level up the bike, you can change crazy parts of the bike. Um, one of the instances that they talked about of uh, one of the important upgrades is a new muffler uh, because the enemies can hear you coming. But as you gain points and you put those points in your muffler and upgrade your muffler, it'll be, it's obviously a lot more quiet and you'll be able to sneak up on enemies and encampments a lot more easily. Um, what else? Um, the game is co-op driven primarily. You're almost always with an ally. Uh, a big part of it is taking over encampments. So there's a little bit of assass Assassin's Creed in it. You take over encampments and then you have to make mm -hmm. sure the encampment is taken care of, uh, that you get, you're supplying it with food and water and things like that. Um, there's we extreme weather patterns in the game that are randomized and that will affect how the game plays. It'll affect on how easily the enemies can tell that you're coming or not. So you need to strategically plan around the weather to make sure you're not attacking encampments when it might be easier for them to hear you slogging through the mud and things like that. It is single player only, as I said before. There's no online co-op, no local co-op. There's a game plus. After you finish the game, you'll be able to go back into the world and you'll be able to continue playing. Uh, they said it's extremely challenging, uh, that it's not one of those games that you can just walk through and just do whatever you want and get through. You have to be strategic and prepare to die, mm -hmm. essentially was his message. You're gonna die a lot in the game. Uh, there's no cities in the game. It's all takes place in rural. He said that uh, the biggest town in the game has a population of 800 people. So mm -hmm. you, you never head into a big city. Uh, it takes place in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And so you never head to any of the big cities in Oregon, like so Portland. So basically, or you Bend. never go to Portland. That's, that's what or Bend. Saying. Bend's kind yeah. of a big town. Town, not city, though, really. Uh, Which, if you're going to go anywhere, you'd probably go there because that's where they are. Yeah, probably. Uh, you build, you maintain encampments. That's a huge, huge part of the game. 
Uh, he said, roughly, if you go through the golden path through the game, which I'm not even sure what that means, I'm guessing that's the main primary path. Yeah, I think that just means like the, the straight and narrow through the main story. They said it, it's 30 hours long if you do that. Uh, stealth is a big, big part of the game. It doesn't appear to me, though, that, and you, here comes a stealth kill, it looks like. Uh, but it doesn't appear to me like they're, you know, you're really given the tools to, to use stealth as far as like there being a good cover system and things like that. Obviously here you're seeing some tracking elements in the game. Um, oh, and look, you get a premonition there to show you what yeah. happened before. I don't know how uh, a redneck from uh, <laughs> Oregon suddenly has the powers to do something oh, no, like he, that. He's from the city. He's from the city? That's what they say there is like, because he doesn't want to, your guy doesn't want to like do all this tracking stuff and your, your the buddy there is like, he's like, you've been here out here two years, you should know how to, how to track by uh, now. And so you're like, fine. Oh, he fled the city to get away from the yeah, zombie outbreak. So he's like, fine, I'll do it. And like, and he's like, okay, yeah, he went this way. And it turns out the, the bald guy was right. Ah, uh, gotcha. And so, so he has your mentor basically. He's taught you kind of wilderness stuff. Uh, probably in exchange for you being a really good shot, <laughs> like, as because I guess they're bounty hunters, like hunting down like deadbeat drug dealers and stuff. So Wait, what? It's one of the interesting things. They used to do that, or they're no, this is what they're that. doing here. Is they're, tr they're tracking down this guy who basically like ran off with the drugs or something like that and hid them somewhere. Who cares about drugs during the zombie apocalypse? Well, that's the thing about this game is like it feels like people don't care about the zombie apocalypse. Like the zombie thing is just sort of a thing. A that, nuisance. It's a it's a hazard you deal with in life now, but like they're they're trying to deal with a drug deal. Like that's what this is. That's like, a little weird. It's 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 what would happen. I mean, it's not a particularly interesting premise, but like, it's life would go on in that scenario. I mean, like, they, 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 you know, this stuff would still happen. This was, this is, you know, people would still want to get screwed up. I think the last thing I would want to do in a zombie apocalypse is get screwed up. Yeah, well, I, I, I then you drop your guard and then you end up dead. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're a, you're a, a common example of humanity in that regard. I think <laughs> I think people would still want to get fucked up. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, I mean, it's the same thing with, like, it's one of the things I, I think is weird about The Last of Us world is, like, as you wander through the beginnings of Last of Us, it becomes pretty clear that, it, that people kind of have a pretty good handle on this zombie thing. Like, yeah. that, you know, we've got our little enclave, don't go in abandoned buildings. If you do, put your mask on, there's spores, shoot them in the head. Like, you know, yeah. like people pretty much have it down, you know? Like, like, we know how to deal with this, eventually it'll die off. And, like, you know, this, I, was, I was replaying State of Decay 1 just, like, to refresh myself before the new one comes out, because I feel like I'm, I feel like you're going to need a pretty recent experience with the first game to be able to tell what's different in the new one because yeah. it looks so similar. Uh, so I played through it again and like I was thinking that a lot too. Was I'm like, how many people live in this town? Like there can't be more than 2,000 people in this town. I've killed 1,200 like zombies. zombies yeah. here? <laughs> I've killed 1,200 zombies. I have to be almost out of zombies yeah. by now, right? Like there's, there's not that many people in rural Washington, you know? Yeah. And um, I mean, that happens in all the TV shows too. Yeah. Like so at a certain dead. point, like you, like, you know, some kind of pseudo civilization is going to happen, and that's, bas that's basically what these guys are part of here. Because the way old zombie films got around that was that the zombies would come out of the grave. Right. And that, then you could understand where all these people are coming from. Well, there's thousands and thousands mm. of people buried. But the modern zombie pop culture, whatever you want to talk about, it's not that. It's mm. always that, like, once the, someone who dies gets up immediately and is resurrected as a zombie. Mm. And so if you're only starting with 2,000 people, it's like, where are all these zombies coming from? Yeah, and, like, this, this seems like this is more like... Uh, kind of the, the 28 days later uh, fast zombie yeah, yeah. idea, the, the, more of a virus sort of thing, mm -hmm. like not zombies so much yeah. as like, 
you know, super rabies, I guess, yeah. would be the description there. Um, but still, people would call them zombies. Like, yeah, <laughs> of course. What else are you going to call them? It's petty that, like, some of these people are like, no, they're freakers. It's like, no, they're freaking no, zombies, they're, they're dude. they're zombies. I mean, look, Naughty Dog does the same thing. Yeah, they're infected. Yeah, they're it's okay. like, they're just zombies. That's... I mean, at least they look like big mushroom fungus people. Right, they, they actually do it, look it, different. They look different, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, a couple other notes... Um, so you have three categories to upgrade as far as your main character. Uh, that's stamina, health, and slowdown. So apparently there's some mm -hmm. kind of slowdown mechanic in the game. I have not personally witnessed that in like any of the footage. Like a bullet time kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing. Um, I've not personally witnessed it, so I don't know exactly uh, what they're I talking about. I'll be honest, I put the videos on this on the, uh, up to play, and I kind of wandered away from them after yeah. about 30 minutes. This game is not grabbing my attention very strongly, I have to admit. It's, it, the premise is a little dull, the, the look is a little drab, the characters are a little meh. Like, I'll the, say one thing, it seems like there's a lot of travel in between... Yeah. Exciting moments. A lot of wandering, a lot of riding bikes, a lot of, and like the, the zombies are cool. Like the tech is impressive, but like, man, you got you're gonna have to come up with something really interesting to get me in, like involved in another zombie idea. Like uh, one of the actually one of the appeals of State of Decay two to me is that it's so by the numbers in terms of what the zombies are and how they behave. Uh -huh. Whereas like this is like okay, it's they're all fast and big. Like, okay, well then then what? You know like. Like State of Decay kind of like like uh, evokes like a more primal sort of like you know when I was a kid and watched zombie movies and that's what zombies are to me. Where if you're gonna do something like this, like the fact that they're sort of treating them as incidental is a little odd. It's, I mean, it, it is realistic in terms of world building, but it's also not a great hook for a a game that's that feels like it should be looking more at that. I, I honestly think the hook of this game is manipulating the hordes mm -hmm. to do your bidding. I don't know if you saw earlier, but there's the one shot where he kind of looks down in the valley and there's a wooden bridge and you see an army mm -hmm. of the Freakers going across the bridge. And I think that's gonna, a big part of what the game's going to be. Yeah, I think part is of it is also using like the decisions. them as a, a pawn to help you make progress through the mm -hmm. game. Well, I think part of it is also the decisions you make where like there's a lot of decisions and choices and like... They, in that scene where they were, they were like this, this scene where they're, where they're looking for the trail I get, like you'll see, he he notices the blood goes over the the, the fence here. Yeah. In the E3 demo last year, he doesn't see this, and they go to the left, and there's an ambush there. Right. And everything right. goes to hell. So th there's there's an element here of like, okay, so if you're doing your due diligence as a tracker, you will f you know things will play out very differently. And hopefully um, better. Yeah. So the choice uh, does seem to be a big a big element of the mm -hmm. game, so which there, is good. There is there is a lot of there seems like maybe there's replay value in that. Yeah. Or, or at least, like, the idea that, like, there's a reason to pay attention. Yeah. You can't just walk through it. And I guess that kind of ties in with what they're talking about with it's challenging and you can't just, you can't let your guard down, which I guess is probably key to a zombie apocalypse yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> Seems realistic if there's such a thing as being realistic with zombies. Uh, technically, it will run in 4K, but checkerboard. Mm-hmm. Um, Frames per second, whether you're playing 1080p or 4K, 30 frames per second pegged. Mm -hmm. No, they're not even trying to hit 60. Uh, he said in the E3 demo that everyone's seen a million times that there were 500 freakers in that, and that there are moments in the game where there are more than that, mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty impressive to me. If they can really keep it pegged at 30, I'll be impressed with that. Um, I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't need 60 frames per second for a game like this. I'll take the increased zombie output with... 
30 frames per second versus mm -hmm. having half the number of zombies at 60 frames per second. Yeah, it'd be nice to have it run well, but it's it's hard to do that with a big open. If it's game pegged, like if this. it's pegged at 30, like I'm okay. If it's, only, it's not dipping mm -hmm. down below 30 or slowing down, I'm cool with that. What do you think about the overall look of the game? I, I guess I think it's a little drab. Yeah. I mean, I guess I it's that's what the Pacific Northwest looks like. Yeah. I mean, I know that's that's. They live it. there. They should know. But right? it's just it's just trees and mud, you know. It's in okay trees, mud, and denim is. Not really. Uh, Certainly a lot of <laughs> trees, mud, and denim. That sounds like the name of a country western album. <laughs> <laughs> or the first DLC pack for this. Yeah. Uh, definitely lots of repetitive textures. It makes it a little easier to build a game like this when all the environments pretty much look the same. Um, I'm excited for this game. I would say I'm more excited for it now than I was before. After mm. I certainly feel like I have a better handle on what it is. I don't know if I... Care I mean, it's kind yet. of, a, it's really a lot like Assassin's Creed that set in a zombie apocalypse. Mm. You kind of have these encampments, there's towers that you have to climb, yeah, there's, there's some, a fog of war that you have to slowly yeah, erode Assassin's away. Assassin's Creed are like a little, a little bit of Far Cry, I guess. Yeah. Taking out the, the, the encampments, yeah. I think, reminds me of that. I mean, it's cool. I mean, part of it is like, I'm just so over the zombie thing. And there's and the whole loot system and crafting and all that kind of stuff. But as I do well. like the the encampment kind of maintenance thing. I like the base building and stuff. Like that's cool. I, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It, it kind of depends what else is coming out in that time frame. Um, if I'm really like jumping on board, if I oh I can't wait to play something that's actually big and ambitious, or if like March has a bunch of good stuff in it next year, I might yeah. Yeah, this might back burn get back burnered for me. I'm guessing probably there won't be too many games more worth playing in mm. March of 2019 than this one. We'll see. I, I, you never know what Q, what Q1 holds. Are you surprised that uh, it's not a big focus for Sony at E3? Um, not really. I mean, if I mean, you that's why Sony let Game Informer yeah, blow it if out. You're gonna, if you're going to push it to, to next year, I feel like you probably blow this out at PSX. Yeah, in December and that's a good point. Actually, call it a day. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe a maybe a cool new reveal or trailer or something at uh, the Game Awards. That's a big audience as well. Might may not be big enough for the Game Awards. That's true. Now, all the media that's been put out for it now. I mean, once you give up two hours of gameplay to an outlet, you've kind of screwed the pooch working with other outlets a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you want something big in return, like once you've given out an hour of game, yeah, well, two hours of gameplay. That's when you say like, okay, Jeff, you want this thing that no one's seen yet? You got to run some days gone. Yeah, because I mean, we, that, you know, back when I worked at Game Trailers and we literally had an exclusive almost every single day, that's what we measured it by. We're like, okay, well, how much is out there already? Mm -hmm. so, so therefore, how much interest remains in this game? And people come to you and be like, hey, I... Uh, <laughs> I have a new trailer for this game, and it's like the 10th trailer, and they just gave IGN like 20 minutes of gameplay, and they're like, can you get it in in Game Trailer TV with, with Jeff Keighley on Spike? And I'm like, no, man. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me, dude? It's like the 10th trailer for the game, and you just gave someone else like an hour of gameplay. So I think it might be a tough sell with Jeff for, uh, mm -hmm. for that event, but PSX certainly um, be a good opportunity, because a lot of people will never even see this Game Informer coverage. Uh, as far as hitting the more commercial, widespread audience mm -hmm. uh, in the PlayStation and it, and it 4. it comes out right, kind of right in, uh, you could probably, I mean, football season ends before that, but you could run some ads, like, you know, get a Super Bowl ad in there if you want to really spend the money. Yeah, I, I could see that, definitely. So, I am personally more excited for this game after Game Informer's coverage. What about you? Eh, like, I'm... I, I'm not over the moon over Nothing's it, but... hooking me on this game so far. Yeah. It's weird, and I... I feel like I should be... There's very little unique about it. I mean, yeah, I it's kind like, of a mashup of all like the most successful games yeah. from the last... I feel like I should be more interested than I am, but I'm just not. Yeah. 
maybe part of that is just I don't quite, I don't, I don't quite necessarily, uh, trust isn't the right word, but like the studio's pedigree doesn't really set me on it fire. It doesn't really have one. Yeah. I mean, SOCOM, some experience with SOCOM, they ask them a lot about that in their coverage too. Uh, Uncharted, Golden, Uncharted Golden Abyss for mm. Vita. Which I didn't find particularly enthralling. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I mean, it was a launch game. And I mean, obviously there's more to this. There's more meat on this oh, bone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But like, I don't know. I don't know. There's, other, there's other stuff I'm more interested in first, but so much of that is coming out before this that maybe it doesn't matter. Yep. I have a feeling that by March of next year, you'll be a lot more excited for this game than you maybe. are right now. <laughs> when we're in the doldrums of Q1, uh, I, I think both of us will be more, even more excited for this when it's ready to come out. And it'll give them a chance to polish it up and make sure it's good to go. So... There you go. That's Days Gone, party people. And we're on to our last topic of episode 128. Something that actually was breaking news during last week's show. Hmm. Uh, we didn't really get to talk about it because we didn't know a ton of detail about it. And that is Nintendo made big announcements about how it's going to handle online and how it's going to handle the virtual console. Uh, first of all, for starters, there is no virtual console for the mm. Switch. How do you feel about that, Matt? Dumb. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe they're just not calling it that, and they're, you know, they seem like they're using more of, like, a Netflix system for the NES games that come with the subscription. Yeah. But, like, it's really weird that they don't want to leverage their classic library more. They I also mean, built the brand Virtual Console for right. the last 12 years. I mean, maybe it just means they're going to double and triple down on the retro mini consoles, like they did, you know, like, you know, NES Classic's supposed to be back on shelves June 29th. Super Nintendo Classic sold very well. That makes no sense, though, because the NES Classic, to me, makes Nintendo's program, which, by the way, they're going to have 20 NES games available, mm -hmm. and they're going to be able to play them online. All of which, all of which you probably have three times over. <clears throat> and you just bought the NES Classic that has pretty much mm -hmm. all the same games on it. I just don't understand what the redundancy. I get that there are a lot of young kids out there who didn't play these games when they came out, but that's why you just sold the mm. NES Classic for. I mean, the draw on the Switch is that they all have online features, and you can play, right. play together, play you know competitively on all that stuff, whatever. And I guess the portability aspect of it, because the NES Classic obviously can't. I mean, you could make that portable, but it would be silly. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, it holds I, very little allure I'm, for me. I'm just over the NES thing at this me point. Me too. I've, I've, just <laughs> I've played, I've played, I've played the NES games more in the last five years than I did when it was out. Nice. You know? And like, <laughs> at this point, point, it's like, hey, give me some Super Nintendo. Throw me a Game Boy Advance bone or something. Yeah, yeah. Like anything. Like, or just start collecting series. Like, the, like start doing a Zelda series collection. Or a, yeah. you know, I'm more interested in kind of like getting all the games in a series together. Or like moving on to GameCube stuff, maybe. Like there's a lot of GameCube stuff that... Is sort of in the forgotten bin yeah. that, that no, you know, and or like even even stuff like the GameCube version of uh, of like Fire Emblem that no one can afford anymore because right. it's like three hundred bucks on, on yeah. the secondary market. Like let people have a chance to play that for a reasonable price. Um, I just feel like they're not leveraging their back catalog properly, especially considering how sparse their first party output is turning out to be schedule wise after their first year there are a lot of n64 games even that oh, yeah. first and third party that really have not received much attention at all i mean you think back to some of the smaller games like uh space station silicon valley mm -hmm. like that game came out didn't sell very well disappeared um well, the problem with that is you'd have to patch it 
Yeah. Because there's a bug in it that won't let you finish it. Right, right, right. But like, it's uh, and that's that's DMA. So yeah. I wonder if you have I wonder if you have to deal with Rockstar for that. Absolutely, you'd have yeah. to. But Rockstar wouldn't mind making some cash off of something you, like that. Oh, I mean, Rockstar wouldn't even call uh, return their phone call. <laughs> 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 they wouldn't care. And then there's like a Mystical Ninja Gaiman that came out for N64. Mm -hmm. There's there's a bunch of little like gems for that library that have never really seen the light of day since. Uh, Mischief a, makers. Mischief makers. Shake 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 shake. 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 There's tons of games like that for oh, N64 yeah. that. It just came and went, never sold, and could get a whole yeah. new life. And they got into it. You know, there was some N64 stuff on the yeah. Wii and the, and the Wii U. And that's well, the, the Wii U, they started releasing that stuff when nobody, when it was right. over. Well, that's like, like it's that's the annoying thing. I have a lot of that stuff on the Wii and the Wii U, or like, you know, I had it on the Wii and I upgraded it for the Wii U. And it's just like now all that stuff goes away again. It's like the, the lack of continuity of library in terms of the retro releases is really disheartening. And kind of, I understand like you kind of want to start small, like you're launching a new service, it's subscription based, there's a lot of new stuff, a lot of new information, there's a lot of new things that you have to suddenly expose to the public, and there's, you know, you got stress tests and stuff. So yeah, it makes some sense to kind of, okay, we're just going to put out 20 NES games, this is kind of like really basic stuff, we know how it's this the works. Beginning. It's the But like, the, the, they're so non-committal and so seemingly unenthused about the idea of like supporting this idea or like furthering the virtual console idea. That it's like I, I don't blame all the people I've seen online who are very nervous about this. You want to know what bothers me the most, and this isn't just even with Nintendo, but it seems to be with everything um, in 2018. Is that the long-term customer is always the one that gets screwed? It's like I've been a Nintendo fan my entire life. I I don't want to buy this crap again. Hmm. I have paid Nintendo how many times for these NES games? And every time it's over and over again. They're like, "Oh, we got to," and then the price is like the same, or it goes mm -hmm. up with every iteration of it. It's like, yeah, like I get that you want to keep offering them because there are new people being born every day who are going to become Nintendo fans and want to play those old games. But man, if I bought that already on the Wii or on the Wii U, I should not have to buy it again. Like, yeah. well, you're not buying it again. You're paying a subscription fee for yeah. online stuff, and you're getting this in addition. It's to to that? total bullshit. It's like, and will, um, and will they just like keep adding to it, or will it always be a rotation of 20 games? Will it be? Uh, who knows? But like, it's not even just Nintendo. It's like, uh, like DirecTV does this too. It's like every mm. year the NFL. I've been a DirecTV subscriber for 13 years straight. Never dropped. Been there all this time. Every year the NFL season rolls around, Sunday ticket, they give it away to somebody who's never given them a penny. And then I call, I'm like, bro, I've been, a, I've been a customer for 13 years. Like, why am I not getting this free? They're like, that's the offer is for new customers. It's like, screw you. Huh. Like, there's no reward for being a loyal customer or fan anymore. They, they give all the incentives to the people to get them on board. And once you're on board, they don't give a crap about it. I'm like, this is just another example of it. It's like, there's no reason why they can't look at your account, your My Nintendo account, from the Wii and the Wii U. I was able to transfer a lot of stuff from my Wii to my Wii U. I remember that weird yep. process of them like coming down that like runway to go into your <laughs> Wii U or whatever. Like, why can't we do that again? There's no reason why it can't well, happen. Well, the bigger concern for me is that they've locked cloud saves behind the subscription. Yeah, Sam, bring up the graphic of... Uh, all the Nintendo online and stuff. And the other, you know, I mean, PlayStation Plus does the same thing. Cloud backup is behind a paywall. See, I was it. not aware of that. But that is the, not the only way to back saves up on the PlayStation right. 4. You right. can just stick a USB flash drive in the thing and copy Save. your saves that yeah. way. There's no other way to back up your saves on the Switch than to pay for this service and back them up on the cloud. Yep. Which is nonsense. It's insane, dude. It's, I feel like they're holding save data cloud backup as like ransom to get people to pay the 20 bucks. I, th I think a lot of people feel that way. Because if you look at it, 
I certainly will pay 20 bucks a year to not lose my Zelda save. Absolutely. It's like, it's a, I'm, especially on Nintendo platforms, it is a minority of people who play the games online. Mm -hmm. Which is why Nintendo, it's a big reason why Nintendo has drug its feet with actually creating a legitimate modern online environment yeah, because it, it hasn't looks at them. the data and it's like our customers don't play online. Why would we spend tons of money in R&D and building infrastructure when most of our customers aren't even going to use it? So what, is, what sells Nintendo online? It's Smash Brothers? Well, by all accounts as of right now, it looks like Smash Brothers is just going to be the same damn game that came out on Wii U with maybe a couple characters and some brushed up graphics. It's like to me, the selling point of everything Nintendo has announced so far is backing up your saves. That's crazy, dude. That's mm -hmm. crazy that in 2018, that is the selling point that's going to convince me to give Nintendo 20 bucks. Now, here's the thing. It is $20. And it, so it's hard to take into account, okay, well, I, I give $60 a year to Sony. I give $60 a year to Microsoft. Nintendo's asking me for 20 it's hard to kind of calibrate your expectations and say, okay, well, I give them X dollars. Nintendo, Nintendo wants Y. Is it worth the 20 bucks? But the bottom line is it is a third of the cost. Mm -hmm. But I do want to play my Switch games online. I would say at this point, if I look at Xbox Live and PlayStation Network, I don't spend the majority of that money to play online. The majority of that money now at this point for me is like getting that, those free games in that catalog. Mm -hmm. And that I have forever, by the way. It's not just some like Netflix thing where they're here now and then they're gone. Once I have those games in my library, as long as I keep subscribing, those games are mine. Um, and so I start to extrapolate that out to what you're getting for 20 bucks. And it's like, I'm getting saves and I'm gonna be able to play Smash Brothers, which I don't even really play that much anyway online. And then what else? I've already been playing Splatoon 2 for free for a year. I've already been playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Mario Kart in general online for free for years. Well, if you want to keep doing that. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it's less than a dollar a month. I'll probably pay that just to have the cloud save back right. up. Right, like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's really what the value is. And it's insane that we're assigning but if I, but if there was any an, value to that. But if there was an, well, there's value to it because they don't let you back it up anymore. Right, that's way. what I'm saying. Yeah. Which that, every other console does. Right, that's why I'm saying Nintendo is holding the online save back up hostage to get mm. you to spend that 20 bucks and that to me it's probably gonna work it's good absolutely i'm gonna pay it you're gonna pay it everyone's probably gonna mm -hmm. pay it and will i play online more than i do now because i spent the 20 bucks no no i won't will i play smash brothers online probably not after the first week no i won't um do i still play mario kart online no do i play splatoon every once in a while yeah is it enough to spend 20 bucks a year probably not um so i think Ultimately, it's priced right if because there are people out there who are going to play the crap out of Smash Brothers online, mm. and there are people out there who have accumulated 500 races in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe already. It's just not me, and so I look at looking at the value. It is a good thing it's only 20 bucks because I think if it were any more, it would be a really tough sell. Yeah. So there you go, folks. I'm sure whoever I'm sure Nintendo fans are going to jump into the comments of the show tomorrow. We have, we have some recurring people who come in to troll yeah, us. I've noticed. Like if, if you're defending locking cloud saves behind a paywall <laughs> with no other option to back the saves up, that's the difference. And yeah. I don't know why this seems to be so hard for some people to get. It's not that they're locking cloud saves behind a paywall. Everyone's been doing that. Yeah. Sony, Sony did that. I don't even want cloud like, save. I hate cloud saves. But they haven't provided a way to back your saves up on anything else. Yep. 
on the SD card or anything like that. Yep. And or that's ridiculous. Drive. It is, absolutely. There's USB ports on that thing. There's no reason why. And the reason why is because they won't get 20 bucks mm -hmm. from people like you and I. But they've also been like very, very cavalier about how they treat people say, you know, people get their switches back from repair with their saves gone. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not a minor thing. It's not a minor thing, but I don't think that that's on purpose because, no, but because I set my switch in and I got mine back with my saves. Right, but there should be a way to figure that out. And also, if there was a way to back those saves up normally, it wouldn't be a problem. that wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> it wouldn't be a problem. You know, so Nintendo protects. It feels like it is not a difficult thing to put in place and they just won't do it. Seems that way. So, that's it. I don't think we're going to learn anymore. I think that's pretty much the final information until it launches. I think also the date that they gave pretty much tells you when Smash Brothers is coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, That'd be, that's a good thing to put out as incentive. That's it's true. just it's always weird or bad to get something for free for a long time and then have someone tell you that hey now you have to pay for it. Yeah, I mean it doesn't bother me that much, especially at the low price. The thing that bothers me is this they they're holding the save backup option hostage behind the paywall. Yeah, like and I wouldn't care about that if there was a way to just transfer saves to an SD card or, or a flash drive or something, but there isn't. Which it, they're absolutely The sure. only way to make, to safeguard any of your saves, if you don't want to lose the 100 hours you spent on Zelda or how long you play it, spent getting all 999 moons in Odyssey, is to hand out, fork over your 20 bucks a year. Yep. That's it. So, Forever. All right. It's time for our trailer of the week. It was a great week of trailers. In fact, I almost thought about swapping out the one we're going to show you for Rage but then I knew we were going to discuss Rage, so we, we eliminated that one. There is a first-person shooter that was uh, unveiled this week that is surprisingly digging it. A lot of times we get trailers in, and when we write the blur for the trailer, uh, I'll write, check this out. Like, mm -hmm. I recommend that you check this out. And sometimes people do, sometimes people don't, but almost always it never resonates outside of Sifted. This is a game that did. This is a game where I watched the trailer and I was like, this is something different, this is mm -hmm. something cool, you guys should watch this. The Sifters did, and then over the next few days, I started seeing it building a buzz across the internet. Uh, it's a first-person shooter. The game is called Atomic Heart. Get your comments in right now, your questions in right now. Check it out. Game looks awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, you said Russian, it. Russian Bioshock with robots. And a little touch of Fallout. Mm -hmm. Roboshock. It looks really bizarre, mm -hmm. but ultimately something different, which again is something I will always root for. Uh, let's see, we got some, we got plenty of questions. In fact, you guys started asking questions before the trailer <laughs> of the week was even announced. Uh, I gotta hand it to you guys, you're well trained. Uh, do you have one already queued up? Um, no. Let's see. Justin, <laughs> Justin Horman asks, Freakin' Rage is getting a sequel. What's a game you never thought would have got a sequel that you think should get a sequel? Beyond Good and Evil 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Because the first one sold so bad. Yeah. I think most, most of your picks for this would just be games that didn't sell that well. Right. Games that tanked. I mean, yeah, if we're talking about something that wasn't announced, <laughs> yeah. but we may or may not ever get, uh, I would go with Nice Old Republic 3. Yeah, I mean... I know some people are like, oh, Old Republic. It's like, no. Nice Old like an actual... KOTOR 3. I mean, I could list a million games for this, right. honestly. I mean, you could just go on and on and on. Uh, Until recently, Metroid Prime 4. Yeah. Been... <laughs> I mean, you could name almost any game. How about a, a Castlevania game that covers the Battle of 1999? Yeah. Which was you know, hinted at repeatedly, but never did. Yeah. they never did it. You go, yeah, you, you just go on to eternity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, w. Matthew, we always answer one of yours every single episode. Do you think Borderlands 3 will fly too close to the sun, a.k.a. Destiny? I prefer RPG shooters over shooters with very light RPG elements, like Destiny. What do you guys think? Um, I think Borderlands is different enough that it can coexist uh, with, with Destiny. Um, I certainly I think wouldn't. they're very similar, though. Well, they're similar in terms of kind of like, yeah, you shoot a guy and a... A billion a, times. And a, num and a number pops up over <laughs> their head. But uh, I just think, I think the experience of uh, Borderlands is, is singular, it just in terms of the setting, the look, the humor, like it's, it's different. And, and man, I can name you 10 times as many characters I remember from Borderlands I came yeah. from Destiny. And yeah. I've probably spent more time playing The Borderlands universe is vastly superior. Yeah. I mean, that's, I will say that. And I've played Destiny more than I've played Borderlands. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely right. The characters, the world, the universe, everything about it, far more memorable than Destiny. And I sure as hell have never been disappointed by an expansion pack for Borderlands the way I have by, by Destiny's. Touche. Except for the Taken King. Taken King was good. Uh, let's see. Damp Towel Man. <laughs> Welcome, man. I've never seen you in our chat before. I hope you guys are you're enjoying the show. Uh, do you think games like Mario Kart 8 and Splatoon 2 will lose most of their player base because of the new online paywall for Switch? Great question. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think parents are going to pay $20 for their five, eight-year-old kid to play Splatoon online? I don't know. I don't know what the demographics of the, of the online play is for that. Um, I'd say it loses a significant chunk. Yeah. But it'll be, I think it'll be noticeable. Yeah, it'd be noticeable. I don't know if it'd be most of them, but a lot. I think close to half. Eh, maybe. I think at first, and then maybe over time, the younger kids mm -hmm. eventually convince their parents. Maybe... For Christmas, they get the subscription or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think in, initially you're really going to see a difference, but I think over time it'll build back up. Yeah, it's possible. Great question, though. Welcome to uh, welcome to the show, man. Um, very toss. Screwing the customer because of hacks is BS. We all agree with that. Yeah. Well, also like part of the, like one of the one of the recent hacks for the Switch was like basically it's like a jumper cable you can use to basically. It's some, I'm not totally clear on the exact details, but basically it's, it's a jumper cable you stick in one of the little slots on the side and it, it like re, restarts the, the switch completely somehow and it, uses a, it triggers a vulnerability in the Tegra X1 chip 
that then lets you put any kind of uh, firmware on it you want. Like it completely opens the, really? the hardware up completely. Yeah. Wow. So I saw I saw some instructions on how to do that. There were people like somebody had put the SNES Classic on the Switch using that method. And when Nintendo sees that, there's no way to fix it. It's a hardware thing. Which is why we have to pay money for. Yeah, but that doesn't, back up that doesn't stop that. It doesn't, <laughs> no, it doesn't change anything. Nintendo just gets paranoid. You're just par- you're just- Anytime Nintendo feels like it's not in control, it freaks yeah, out. You're just penalizing like legitimate customers that aren't doing that to their systems. Because, you know, how many people are going to do that? I'm, I'm, I mean, I could probably do that, but I'm not going to... like. God, what if that, what if that is it? Like, we won't let you back your saves up because that way you can't like safeguard against frying your switch by doing that and if the only way to back them up is through a subscription cloud service that you can get banned by if we detect that you've been messing with your switch you're stuck exactly man that's nasty <laughs> that's dirty it's the nintendo difference man yeah the nintendo difference is that it's like dealing with a mob <laughs> uh sj swanland how much would you want a prince of persia reboot over another assassin's creed and if you do, what would you want it to be like? I would love something like the new God of War game in the Prince of Persia universe. Mm, I wouldn't. I prefer Assassin's Creed. I thought the last Prince of Persia was not very good. And I know Which there's a lot of people out there. It was like oh, the, the, the cel-shaded one. Yeah, yeah. one. And there's a lot of people out there that praise that game. I think if you go back and play that game, it's not a very good game. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sands of Time, where you had like the time manipulation. And I really stuff like Sands like that. of Time, but like, then the next two just dropped the ball yeah. constantly. I don't know what happened with that franchise at Ubisoft, but I think what happened ultimately, though, is he that... smoldered with generic rage. That's what happened. <laughs> I think what really happened is that Prince of Persia became redundant because of Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed. A lot of the same elements, the same tone, uh, were just kind of taken mm-hmm. over and done better in Assassin's Creed, and Assassin's Creed became far more popular and far more lucrative for Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. And, and it I just prefer the like, why? I prefer the historical like verisimilitude and hopping around that Assassin's Creed can do. Yeah. Over just... Prince of Persia is just kind of stuck in that era, in that setting, and Assassin's Creed gives them more latitude to do anything. Now, if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to, like, do, like, a Middle Eastern Assassin's Creed one day, in which one of the pieces of Eden was a dagger that could reverse time, and this prince guy has it. Absolutely. Like, I could be like into that. Like a cameo type like thing, Like, if he's, yeah. like, somebody you know in the, in the game. Yeah, and it like, makes sense. I could, I could get context. behind, like, bringing Prince of Persia into continuity with Assassin's yeah. Creed. But I don't know if, I, I don't know if it's a Prince I of Persia. I think that might be a dead franchise. Prince I think it's possible. But watch, Ubisoft. New Prince of Persia. Well, and it's probably not a coincidence. Like the, the Revelations was made. Assassin's Creed Revelations was made by a team who had a, their Prince of Persia game canceled out from under them and right. said, "Okay, now you're making Assassin's Creed." Yeah. So now part of that may it have been, sense, part I mean, of that may have been more about the popularity of Assassin's Creed at the time versus whether the Prince of Persia game was any good. But clearly, they feel like you know, Assassin's Creed has filled that same niche. Hell, maybe maybe you get uh, the Prince of Persia and For Honor at some point possible that would be kind of cool yeah i should surprise that ubisoft hasn't started doing that rolling some of its mm-hmm. other characters into for honor i'm kind of hoping that fortnite thing where thanos was in it like kind of starts a ball rolling in that yeah. regard because like i feel like just crazy gonzo doesn't make any sense cameos like that are kind yeah. of fun yeah like, i think that's oh, yeah. cool they're absolutely fun and especially when you're talking about multiplayer modes who yeah, cares, about, multi- yeah, just who cares about canon and all yeah. that crap it's like just have fun with it uh, let's see, from Vox91, you think innovation in games will become similar to innovation in movies? Uh, in that more of the innovation will be done more from a character development and representation standpoint and less from a technical end. For the record, I'd prefer if it went both ways. Uh, I think so. I mean, I think 
I think storytelling and character development in games that is uh, above your average like A-list action movie is kind of the next frontier in some ways. Um, I think God of War maybe makes a little progress in that in some ways. I think I think the characters in that game, or at least the main characters in that game, have a little more depth to them than your average hack and slash. Yeah. Um, but there's a long way to go there. But I still think the technical stuff. I mean, even in the last gener this generation, we've seen HDR make a big difference. So the tech is always going to be part of it, even if it's more display tech than hardware tech in terms of what's actually in the consoles. Um, I think it'll be both. I think it depends who, what what a developer wants to focus on, like. Like Naughty Dog, I think more or less does both, but yeah. gets more credit for the the storytelling, and maybe the the extreme tech on display is just more window dressing. Yeah, I think there there are different definitions of tech when related to games as well. Mm -hmm. It's like you're just talking about 6K or 4K or checkerboarding, mm -hmm. or are you talking about innovations like what we saw with Trailblazers earlier, where you can use technology now to do things that you couldn't do before. Um, I feel like you can make Trailblazers on a 16-bit system. Could you? Yeah, I guess you could actually. Yeah, there's no reason you couldn't do that. Yeah, I guess you're right. Wouldn't look as good, obviously. Right. But. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, it's really just the mechanics. I feel like a Trailblazers mod for F Zero on the Super Nintendo would not be impossible. Yeah, I guess. I guess then my point is that to me, innovation in game mechanics is always going to be more important than anything. Mm. Um, yeah, but if, if you're asking about like basically, like, yeah, I, I think that we're due for a revolution in how the stories are told and how the characters are portrayed and. And and you know tre treating that aspect of, of games as a little more mature, um, not in the sense of like R-rated you know stuff like that, but in the sense of like this is a medium that can tell stories, it can tell them differently than other media can, and let's take advantage of that in a way that goes beyond just making really cool blockbuster movies. Yeah, with it, you know. Um, Whereas you know, movies movies have kind of done that a little bit, tried to do that with like the blockbuster stuff and have them more character driven because the tech you're kind of running out of room with the tech in that. Uh, outside of like things that you know, the Hobbit tried to push that in a direction with like the extra the 3D and the high frame rate. Nobody wanted it. The Avatar sequels are about to try it again. Um, but in general, no one's wowed by the newest special effect trick. They want to see characters they care about or, or or a story they haven't seen. Well, I feel like this is kind of where. Um both Sony and Microsoft dropped the ball a bit with their cameras because there was an opportunity there with Kinect and with the PlayStation Eye or whatever the hell it's called now for PlayStation 4 mm -hmm. to just look at your face when making a decision. So present something on the screen and present mm -hmm. a question and then look at your face and say, your face is saying yes, your face is saying no, and then just boom. That's your decision. Well, I have to think that that was kind of also part of the thinking behind the vitality sensor that never surfaced from Nintendo. Yeah. Was like, you know, keeping track of your reactions while you're playing and adjusting the experience accordingly. Right. Um, that, could be, that could be your next wave of innovation if, if you can get people to buy another peripheral, but that's kind of a big if. Because I do feel like with the way technology is right now and the way game design is right now, I feel like storytelling-wise, you have to do something disruptive like that to really change mm -hmm. it. At least in the other than just having better writers writing yeah, higher quality. At least in the stories. AAA space, I feel like you've got. I mean, like, you know, I think Night in the Woods tells a more nuanced and Absolutely. and yeah. grown-up story than you know something like God of War does yeah. because it's just that's what it is. That's yeah. what it's about. Which was for and the people that are making that game had something to say. You see that also in something like what uh, the last Rem the what remains of Edith Finch yeah. and that kind of thing, or that some of the tel early Telltale games in particular clearly had a you know a higher aspirations in that regard. In the case of the first Walking Dead se season, it actually paid off because they won Game of the Year. Right. Off of Absolutely. It. Um, 
So I think you're kind of waiting for the next great leap forward in, in that space, and I'm not sure where it's going to come from, but uh, I, think it, I think it's coming. I think we're going to see the next way to, to kind of tell a story that we didn't expect. Um, I'm excited for that. Uh, I, think, I think you've seen flashes of it. I think Night in the Woods did a little bit of that. I think Undertale had a little bit of that to it. Um, there's, you can see it bubbling under the surface, and someone's going to nail it. And um, I don't know what that's going to be, but I'm kind of excited for it because I'm a story guy. All right, let's take a couple more. Um, Mitchell is alive. I need glasses, by the way. <laughs> Been addicted to God of War since release, and I vowed to platinum. What was the last game you played that you felt compelled to 100%? Any games you wish you had? Well, you just did it. God of War. You just yeah, did, did God I of War. I did the yeah. platinum and God of War. Yeah, I don't platinum anything. I used to be a completionist, but this was... Mm -hmm. The last console where I was a completionist was probably the PlayStation 2 era. Um, and then I think maybe the last game I ever 100%ed might have been Dark Cloud 2. Mm, that's, a, that's a heavy 100%. Yeah, and I think that might have been like the breaking point <laughs> broke for you, me. Yeah. Honestly, once, the, the ironic part for me is that I really kind of turned away from that stuff once achievements hit. And for a mm. lot of people, that's what motivated them to start doing that stuff. But before, up and through, almost all the way through the PS2 era, I was a completionist. And, if I, and it got hard when I became a journalist because I couldn't really do it, mm -hmm. and it started to drive me crazy. I think that was part of it too, why I turned away from it, because I could see it was negatively impacting my enjoyment of a game, knowing I wasn't going to be able to do everything. Um, and ever since then, like I just, I've, if I have to review a game, obviously I, I finish the game, or if I'm going to review a game, I finish a game. Um, but I don't have that compulsion to feel like, oh, I got everything, and I have to look at all my bars and make sure that they're all full, and I got that extra cutscene because I mm -hmm. did all this or all that. I, I've just kind of lost that. It's just. I think practicality eventually just took over for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't 100% all that. I did a lot more in the 360 era. All three Mass Effect games. Um, all the Assassin's Creed's to a point. I think 3 was the end of that. Yeah. Because um, I didn't like 3 very much. Um, yeah, it's not really a thing that... I, I mean, I did God of War. You know, the reason I got the Platinum and God of War was primarily because it wasn't difficulty. There was no difficulty achievement. Like, if I had to replay the game on the hardest difficulty, that would not have happened for probably another two years when yeah. I decided I want to go. Because sometimes I'll go back through the game, a game again and play it that I really liked and play it on the hardest difficulty if there's an achievement for that, just to get that. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's sort of the thing that limits me is, like, I only play a game once the first time. I'll go back and play it again if I really liked it, like, a couple of years later. And sometimes I don't even go on the higher difficulty for that because I'm like, oh, I just want to experience the game again. I, don't I can't remember the last time I played a game twice. I really can't. I don't even know how long it's been. Um, well, I just played The Witcher 3 again. Yeah, you through, do it all the time. So that's the third yeah. time I've gone through The Witcher 3 yeah. on three different platforms. So. I'll stick with games you know playing what? them online for a while, but I've never yeah. go back. I never have time to go back and play a single you know, player. Interesting twice. trivia point about The Witcher 3. So I played through it completely on the on the PS4 and the and the PC and the Xbox One now. And the Xbox One playthrough, while it looked better because the HDR and 4K 60 frames, you know, on the Xbox One X. I ran into more weird bugs and glitches in the Xbox version than I did in the other two combined. Wow. Tons of weird little problems, like having to restart stuff because stuff didn't trigger. Like, it was way buggier than the other two huh. versions. Interesting. All right, that's going to do it for our Q&A. Man, it got dark. 
Yeah. <laughs> Look at the show now <laughs> compared to what it was when we started. All you can see is us in the stairway. Yep. It used to be you can see all the way back. We through. started in a Nintendo game and we ended in a Sony game. <laughs> That's a pretty good analogy. Uh, let's see. First of all, uh, I'm going to break all this stuff down and head home. But literally, as soon as I get home, there'll be a brand new Pactor Factor up on Sifted.net. Um, sorry it's taken a while. Pactor had earnings week all last week and we couldn't shoot. Uh, but we went and shot with him on Saturday. New episode was done. Literally, it had uploaded to like 48% and I had to leave to come here. Everything else is ready. As soon as I get home, I just push the button. It will be there. Um, for those of you who came on the stream late, don't forget, if you wouldn't mind uh, to subscribe for our, to our channel via Twitch Prime and give us that free 250. It makes a big, big difference for us. Um, I think that's it, though. Mm -hmm. I do want to apologize, though. It has been a slow beginning of May uh, for Sifted in general as far as content output. It has been insane for me moving out of the studio. I just sold all our furniture, by the way. <laughs> Literally, a guy, I wouldn't, nothing had sold. I put it all on, on Craigslist. Hadn't sold anything. One guy comes over. He wants one of the smaller, whiter desks. He comes over and looks at it. He's like, I want all of this. <laughs> and he literally bought everything. So our old, way to do it. our old studio has been teleported to somebody else's business. He's like a stockbroker or some mm. crap. He's starting his own like consulting. So he probably won't be streaming. No, he, he will not see our old furniture anywhere on Twitch. But anyway, it's just been insane. Like it's still our, the front of our apartment is just piled with crap from our studio. Even after I sold everything, there's just so much stuff that had been jammed in there that I didn't even realize until we cleaned mm -hmm. it out. It was a nightmare, but anyway. My garage is now branded with sifted. Yeah, actually. In the rest of the week. Yes, and he's like actually got some of the stuff here he keeps in the garage. So uh, it's been an insane beginning of May, uh, but everything's kind of evened out now and content should be flowing through. I thank you very, very much for your patience. It's been a tough time for me in a lot of ways, emotionally, physically. Literally, it killed me moving all this stuff out of that because it was like three flights of stairs. Mm. I had to carry all that stuff down. I'm not a young buck anymore. I'm not 20 anymore. So it was a, uh, it was quite, it's been quite a couple weeks, uh, but we finally got all that stuff done. We're over the hump and everything should be good going forward. So, and once again, Matt, thanks for uh, providing a new home for Game Face. Uh, and hope you guys have an excellent week. It's only Monday. Well, I hope that we kicked it off uh, with a bang for you guys. So everyone Who have knows a great... what's going to happen tomorrow at yeah. this rate? <laughs> yeah, no. we, may, we may be able to do another show tomorrow with all the news that's breaking yeah, at this rate. We might rate. get to go back to Friday at Yeah, this exactly. Rate. So, uh, and that is our goal, to try to get back to Friday again for you guys. So anyway, everyone have a great night. No matter where you are, we appreciate you guys checking us out. Game Face is up and out.